in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Guess who's back? Back again. Mike Rutherford's back. Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X Sports Radio. All right. All right. All right. Welcome, everybody. It's Friday, November 18th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show coming to you, as always, from the University of Louisville College of Business Studios. We have a short show today because we got IU basketball coming your way at 5 o'clock. That's when we'll pass the baton over to them. So from 3 to 5, you've got me. You got our guy Keith Wynn back in studio today, the uh, deputy editor over at Card Chronicle, football guru, here to talk some knowledge uh, for the next two hours. We want to hear from you between now and then. Text us on the Thorntons text line at 502-414-1450. And a reminder, for new Refreshing Rewards members, download that app today. Open up your app store, search Thorntons, search Refreshing Reward app. New Refreshing Rewards members are going to be treated to a free breakfast sandwich and a free drink of your choice. We're talking fountain drink. We're talking coffee. We're talking tea. We're talking fizzy frizz. Whatever you got, Thornton's has you hooked up. 502-414-1450 is the text line. Keith, in uh, in studio today, rocking the Bears hoodie. Sorry about your luck against the Lions a couple weeks ago. It's no big deal. It's, it's you know, we're just, <laughs> we're basically the second best team in the North these days. Yeah, Packers lost again last night. So we're, you know, we're right below the Vikings. And maybe like five games behind the Vikings, but technically still <laughs> just right below them. How are you, buddy? Thanks for coming in. Hey, you know, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's always fun to come in studio instead of just calling in, so. It is. Yeah. We're going to start off, I mean, let's get right into it. Do you think that Scott Satterfield deserves it? No, we're not going to. We'll maybe dance there. We've got uh, plenty to get to on today's show. Uh, still some hoops talk out there. I think that's, Keith, this may shock you as somebody. I mean, you've written the site for the site for a long time. You've seen the metrics. You've seen uh, what happens when things go really poorly for basketball or really well for basketball. You And, and football is just kind of, you know, Middling, you know, if football's really good and football's or football's really bad, it moves the needle the same way. But when football is doing what U of is doing kind of right now, which is you know good, not great. The Clemson game was about what you expect, not a, a extreme result, extreme reaction one way or the other. And basketball is generating extreme reaction. <laughs> you know, we try to bring we try we try to talk football on the show. We try to get ready for this big game against NC State. We're going to try to talk about this big recruiting weekend, the guys that we've got in, which I think is super exciting. Mm-hmm. And invariably the text line will be like, okay, cool. What's going on with Sydney Curry? Yeah. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> so so we'll do our best, but we will uh, I'm sure answer some hoops questions today as well. But uh, let's start with I I, I want to get to you wrote about it on Card Chronicle today. This hoops uh, th- this football visitor list. Mm-hmm. It's been a couple of I don't want to say, like, you know, the recruiting buzz has, has fizzled a little bit. We've had we've been focusing more on, like, the 2024, 2025, like, guys that are coming in. The big recruiting weekends were early in the season. And then out of seeming – I don't want to say seemingly nowhere, but kind of out of left field, 
at least the people who don't follow this thing that closely like me, you've got 55 kids coming in this weekend. You've got a whole host of, of current commits coming in. You've got big-time prospects in the next three classes. You've got some guys that they're still targeting in 2023. This is encouraging, I think maybe is the right word. This is exciting. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you nailed it. I mean, it, it has been kind of quiet. You know, it, it, you know, things died down a lot, but I think that um, it did. It surprised me. You know, I haven't heard much about any, you know, upcoming recruiting buzz or anything like that. And, you know, out of nowhere, you know, I hear they, they have this huge list. And I think the important aspect is that it, it kind of covers a wide range, to your point. You've got the current class. The vast majority of those guys are going to be here tomorrow. Uh, and then you also have guys that are still looking to, to add to this class. Uh, a five-star number one receiver in the country, out of the, you know, in, in the twenty-four class is no going to be in. Yeah, 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 yeah. No big deal. We just get number one players at positions all the time <laughs> it's now. It's ridiculous. That's who and we are. The thing about it is that he is quite literally. I think what two weeks ago they had uh, T.J. Capers as the number one linebacker in the class was was in for a visit. So they're 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 still building on the momentum, and I think it's good that they're able to get these current guys in because nothing. It's such a huge factor. I mean, they have to land not everybody. They have to keep almost this entire class intact and you might lose a guy you know DeAndre Moore's obviously been kind of looking around and he you know you never know what's going to happen with these guys when they're at that level but if you can keep the vast majority of these guys you know Reuben Owens obviously and the Clarkson and Sanker and those guys that seem to be locked in I think that's really important and getting them back in town senior day home game all that stuff I think is important but getting them all in, in the same group I think is a huge thing because if you get them one-offs you never know, but I think it's a it's kind of feels like a group deal, right? And yeah. I think that's really important. So it's a huge weekend. They've got some really talented kids in. They've got some local guys that I think they're they seem to be in good good shape with that are down the road that I think is important to to keep that local flavor and keep these local guys around. So it kind of covers all the bases, which is kind of exciting. But we are we're six minutes into the show. I'm assuming the stream is working today because nobody has alerted me otherwise. <laughs> Typically, we're, we're flooded with like 15 texts, so we're already off to a good start today. I, I meant to start with apologies to you know for people who were worried about the stream yesterday, who were worried about the podcast not loading. I texted the guys. I, we're blaming Trevor for for all of this, and it's it's clearly <laughs> his fault. But apparently, there was a, we we called the engineer was called today, fixed the streaming problem. Hopefully, we're good to go. And the podcast, we will, uh, we should be good to go. Intern Patrick's checking it; he's good to go. Uh, Patrick, who is gearing up for what? The big uh, manual musical tomorrow. It's going to be the biggest, <laughs> biggest weekend of his life. He's skipping Louisville football to go to the manual musical. He's he's focused. He's intense. But this weekend, I want to talk specifically about DeAndre Moore because and I said on the podcast today, the intel, and, and I feel confident about most of the stuff that I get, I, I repeat like 5% of it because most of it is a lot of the other stuff is like, you know, what can I do with that? Yeah. Like, like, like this kid's got a terrible attitude. Like, well, you know, there's only so much I can do with that. But the, 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 the positive buzz out there is that this staff and this administration feel very confident in their ability to keep the core of this class intact, regardless of how these last two games play out. And the one guy that I think has been kind of, you know, you're looking at him with shifty eyes right now as DeAndre Moore because he went to Georgia. I mean, who can blame him? Georgia, yeah. Georgia Tennessee game, <laughs> quite the environment. Yeah. He goes to Texas last week, uh, last weekend, which is always a good environment. It's especially so when you've got the fourth ranked and undefeated TCU Horn Frogs in town. Now he's gonna have Louisville NC State this weekend, which even are like, even if the crowd is great and surprises yeah. everybody, it's going to be a step down. Yep. But 
at least to get him back on campus and to remind him of whatever it was that wound up wanting to make him commit to Louisville in the first place, I think is no small deal because the kid is he's really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> and we need playmakers on the outside. We've seen that firsthand this season. Yeah. I was really encouraged to hear that he – I think they're saying it's an, in an unofficial capacity, which is – I don't even know what that means. But he's taking an unofficial visit this weekend. Just getting him back on campus again before early signing day next month makes me very happy. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, seems like DeAndre Moore is big on relationships. I mean, his, his, his former, I guess, maybe head coach or wide receiver coach at his, at his former high school is at Georgia now. So that was part of him going to Georgia. Um, he was recruited by Texas uh, pretty hard by – I can't remember their – their wide receiver coach's name, but he's a guy that coached Jordan Addison at Pitt um, and, and is known as a very good coach and a very good relationship guy. And so, you know, I think that's that's important to him. And I feel like – but I do feel like when he visited Louisville, he talked about the relationship he has with even Pete Nocta and how uh, Louisville supported Pete through, you know, his cancer diagnosis and whatnot. He talked about that in an interview. I think that he is very big on those types of tight relationships and that, 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 uh, that camaraderie. And I think, you know, coming in with all of his teammates, uh, guys that he's grown up with, which is why he transferred in the first place, and also part of why he came to Louisville is to play with his buddies and whatnot, it all matters. And, and you know, I have no clue. He is the one guy that seems like, you know, like Aaron Williams, he talked about taking other visits. I haven't heard anything about him actually taking those visits. Um, you know, Stan Quan Clark was down at Auburn, but, you know, you know, there's some aspects there. But those guys out in California, they seem to all be locked in, Except for him, you know, mm-hmm. and even Ruben Owens hasn't taken other visits, even though apparently Ohio State has, you know, reached out to him and whatnot. But he's he has not visited any of these places, but DeAndre has. So I think it's all about, you know, I think the positive is that if he wants to play early, Louisville's going to have plenty of playing spots. time for you, you know. So uh, there's some assets there, and then obviously being able to play with Clarkson. So getting him back is important, but I think that, you know, to your point, it does seem like they feel good about keeping this class intact. Um, everything I've heard is exactly the same. And, you know, but I do think that winning these games will be important too. You know, it helps to just, you know, ensure those guys that obviously coaches are going to stick around, but obviously the program's going in the right direction. It feels like, and we've got two games left, so this is, I mean, the status of the fan base and the status of the program changes on a week-to-week basis. We've seen that for the last three years (laughs) pretty much. But as of right now, Louisville's 6-4 and right now. We know that they're going to a bowl game. They haven't, there hasn't been this mass exodus from this, all-time recruiting class, like some people were predicting two months ago. It sounds like they are, they're feeling confident that they're going to land at least the bulk of these guys next month. Mm-hmm. Two things need to happen moving forward. Because <laughs> right now everybody's like, okay, good. Not, not ideal for where we want to be, but you know, how many programs would say they're in an ideal place right now? Like 9, 0.05% of the college football world. Right. They got to win at least one of these two last games. If you go seven and five, that's hitting about where most people said going into the season would qualify as like a satisfactory good season, and you would have a couple of quality wins tossed in there. You you would have beaten a Wake Forest team, or you would have beaten a ranked NC State team at the time, or you would have beaten a Kentucky team that has had your number for the last three years, which I think would would go a long way towards proving Scott Satterfield's uh, approval rate, improving Scott Satterfield's approval rate. You also, I think, you do need to to finish what we've just been talking about and keep this recruiting class mostly intact on early signing day in Lanham If those two things happen, and I mean, God, you win both these games and go 8-4, and four, that's nobody says that that's anything less than a successful season. You're playing in a solid bowl game. Mm-hmm. That would, if you win that bowl game, you're even more happy. You've won nine games for the first time in, in what feels like forever. And then you have the recruiting class on top of that. My point is this. With the bas- men's basketball program floundering a little bit right now, 
Scott Satterfield's got an opportunity to really capitalize on things and have some serious momentum going into year five. Not just be the guy that's you know, we're keeping him around because we yeah. had the recruiting class, but kind of the guy who says, I told you it was going to get better. It's getting better now. We've got it rolling. Wait until you see what I do with this talent that we have coming in two or three years from now. We have a chance to get back to where I think everybody wanted this program to be when we made the move to the ACC in 2014. This feels like a these next four weeks with these last two games and then whatever happens on early Sunday feels like a real opportunity to put Louisville football back in a spot where hope is more abundant than it really has been since Lamar left. I think it's an opportunity for him to demand investment. That too, and I think that's that one comes. Thing. To, we're we're all fine with that if, right. he, if he's winning. That's the thing to me is that you know uh, he's in a position where the, his contract they've got to make a decision you know one way or the other. I don't think you can have him in a lame duck here, uh, you know, because he he loses out and goes six and seven again, and you know you got to make a decision. So I think winning out just these next two games, and then bringing in a top twenty class, he's got the opportunity to say, okay, I've shown that I've improved because. A win tomorrow is flat out three years of improvement, or what, two years of improvement from a record standpoint. Obviously coming from four, still had a losing season, but you're, you're, you're improving each year. Then you're also showing that, hey, I can recruit. Whether it's NIL, aided or not, who cares? Mm-hmm. He's taking advantage of it. There's plenty of schools around the country, one down the road, that are still complaining about we need NIL help. He took advantage of that. He was okay with it. He opened his program up to NIL from the day from before NIL was even even available. Yeah, you've got real quickly, you, you've got one coach at Louisville right now that is raking in recruits at a level we haven't seen before and another that seems resistant to, to, to utilizing NIL yeah. for admirable reasons. Guess which coach the fan base is more <laughs> is more pleased with right now when it comes to recruiting. Exactly, right? So I think from, from Scott's standpoint, you know, as they've given him more resources, he's helped. He, it's, it's worked. You know, the you know, uh, Pete Nocta was very honest last summer when people said, "Hey, how is why is this recruiting working so much better?" Well, he's like, "Yeah, we had like a G five recruiting room when he got here, and now they've invested. They've hired some guys. Some of these guys that are coming in are coming from Florida, where they went and got a recruiting a, a recruiter off of Florida staff, and he's showing that he can get guys at least interested. Now you gotta you gotta get them to commit and sign, but he's gotten a couple Florida guys. Now they're back in Florida." If you if you invest and now you you have to mine the transfer portal, yeah. so you know Louisville should have a guy that's just working on the portal. Some schools, plenty of schools, have that. You've got to be able to do those things, and then also you got to pay assistance. Some of these guys might find other opportunities; they might leave. Some guys might be worthy of a raise. You know, whether it be a Pete Thomas or Derek Nicholson or whoever it may be that might find these opportunities. You got to be able to keep those guys. It all takes some investment, and Sat winning out is able to go and say, not only do I want this extension, here's what I want with it, and I need you to, you know, be on board with that. And I think Josh Hurd is is on is, is hundred percent on board with yeah. helping him get to that point. But it's a lot easier if you if you're coming with, hey, I want just as many games as Petrino. You know, I want just as many games as if he gets a nine as they did with Lamar. Yeah. I, I can I can do this without that star power because Louisville doesn't have that star power, doesn't have that that huge, you know, talent that that, that Louisville had with Lamar Jackson. So he can sell that, hey, if you give me the resources, look what I can do with it. And it all it takes is going out and winning a game tomorrow at home and then beating a U.K. team who, yes, it would be a huge deal to the fan base if you can go out, go down there and beat U.K. Because the thing is, even if he loses this weekend to NC State and turns around and defeats what, what is, you could argue, a worse team in U.K. on the road next weekend – the fan base, like, there's not a, a large chunk of the fan base that would be opposed to him getting an extension after that. No, like, not at all. 
Like there's a there's a, a recency bias effect with that UK game every year now that yep. it's the last game of the season. I mean, we were riding high going into that game last year. You forget Malik had just run all over Duke and Syracuse yep. and there was he's showing the improvement that he needs to show. And then because it was so lopsided and we looked so inferior to UK, it quickly morphed into this guy sucks. Yep. We got we gotta get him <laughs> out of here. And the reverse would be true, especially when UK is I think in their eyes, still in the midst of this high point uh, during any of our lifetimes uh, of them finally getting some results. They were in the top 10 at one point this Mm -hmm. season. It's not going to matter that they lost to Vandy. It's not going to matter that they got thumped by Georgia, presumably this weekend. If you win that game, everybody's like, everybody's like, cool, man. Yeah, let's let's, let's ride. There's such a huge segment of of both fan bases. That's all all I care about. You beat the rival and it matters. It it, it, it is something that I, even I definitely have to like catch myself on because I don't care. I mean, I just, to me is, Win games, no win games. Whether you're beating the rival or not doesn't. But I mean, I you care. talk to people, <laughs> I do. but you talk to like your average fan. Oh yeah. You know, whether I'm, I'm whether I'm at the office and I'm talking to people about the game, that's all they care about. I, I mean, every day. It's like, unbelievable. We're gonna beat UK this year. Yeah. We're gonna beat you. I mean, it's all people care about. You'll have guys in the summer, writing in questions like, if you had to make a score prediction for the UK, <laughs> I'm like, I don't, we don't know who's gonna be playing in that game in early October, let alone mid July. So I got I got a thread with you know some of my closest friends and whatnot. Midway through the third quarter of the Wake game, and Louisville was absolutely We're pouring it on. Yeah, I, I, same. Here's the thing, a buddy's like, I don't even care, man. They're still gonna lose to Kentucky, oh. and I'm like, Jesus, you <laughs> know, like come on. But but it's it's he's not wrong. Like you yeah. you you say last year is a perfect example. They're riding high. Everything's working the way it's supposed to. Everybody's playing at a high level, and they just laid an egg. They look terrible. And so I completely understand it. I picked Louisville to win that game last year, and I remember like halfway through the second quarter, I was like, "I'm never picking them to win this game again." Yeah. Because even when I know that they they have advantages, I can do all the analysis I want. They just don't. They have UK has Scott Satterfield's number right now. So being able to show that hey, you gave me time, you let this thing play out, and I finally got over that hump, and then in a couple of weeks I'm going to bring in a bunch of four stars and five stars or one five star. He's, you know, that's 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 important. Much more to your point. Much more important than hey, they they lose tomorrow. All right, whatever. Beat UK, people don't care anymore. The issue too with the UK thing is, if you beat them, hell, even if you, it's, it's a close game this year, people aren't going to celebrate any, any sort of loss to Kentucky. But if you're within like three points, they kick a last second field goal, or it comes off as some sort of fluky loss, you at least show tangible signs of improvement. Yeah. And I think the biggest issue for Louisville when it comes to the Kentucky rivalry is. And I know we didn't play in 2020, but in Satterfield's two times against them and then dating back to 2018, it's all kind of looked the same. Yeah. Like we have looked so much smaller than them, so much less physical, so kind of intimidated by them. Like all three of those games, they've come out and just busted us. Yeah. And it's been, and, and so you're sitting here saying in you know last season, this is year four or year three. We still look just as bad against these guys as we did. Yeah in your first season, and as we did in 2018 when we basically quit, if they can come out and win, it's not just getting back on the right side of the rivalry. It's not just, you know, ha-ha, laughing at you guys were top 10 a few months ago. What do you, yeah. you know, look at us, look at you now. It's This is another piece of evidence that this build can happen, that mm-hmm. we can get to a, pro, to, to a place where, hey, if the playoff expands in 2025 and we've got the Pierce Clarkson class with experience in their you know, redshirt sophomore, junior seasons – we could flirt with that. We, we, you know, we write a few breaks there. We could be top twelve, good. Like that's what the fan base I think wants to see from Satterfield, and that's why these last two games and that game in particular I think are so important. Yeah, and I, I, I you know, I think that the 2016 season was was that 
kind of the peak where they they shared the the conference or the division title and whatnot, but they had lost that close game to Clemson. Mm-hmm. You were right there on the cusp, and the hope and the goal was that okay, we're going to get there, and we've slowly just gone the opposite direction. So I think any to your point, any tangible. I, I said this over the summer. You know, with Louisville recruiting how they are, I just want to see the the signs of that it's going to get there. It doesn't have to be there right now. But the recruiting is a huge step in that direction. Midway through the season, I was like, they still can't get over to hope, hope, hump in these close close games, or they're they're losing games now that they should shouldn't even come close to losing. It seemed like it's going the other way. Now, if you can show, if you can turn this around like they did during a winning streak, and then win these next two games, if you win these next two games, I'm 100 percent on board with hey, I'm seeing all I need to see that it can get there. Yeah, and you know, I think that's really really important. Because it seems like, right now at least, they're still they're making inroads from a recruiting standpoint. Past the hey, this is all Pierce Clarkson thing. That's that's not even a thought to me anymore. Like it's important, but they're getting these four and five star kids from different areas of the country. And they're 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 the guys are you know the the five star kid Jeremiah Smith who's coming tomorrow. In his interview, said that yeah, Edwin Joseph, who's a 2023 kid who just came off a visit, came back to Florida and said you got to go up there and visit. Like that's that's the stuff you want to hear that hey these guys are talking the buzz is there in the recruiting world that these highly talented kids are being told hey I went to Louisville and I had an outstanding time you should go too and then the next week it's like yeah okay I'm going to Louisville we're giving that's, them jets it's insane we're letting them fly around in jets <laughs> right. they get their own private jet because that was the thing with, I mean that was basically the way that Ruben Owens described his recruitment was mm-hmm. I mean I think he came out and straight said straight up like I knew nothing about Louisville like yep. had not could not tell you where it was on a map like didn't know anything about their athletic program. And then Pierce Clarkson, some of these dudes that, that were on my team at a seven on seven event, were like, just take a visit. Like, yep. like see how it feels. We're going to go. We're going to have a good time. He's like, I went. It was the greatest time of my life. We're having a Whatever the football program is doing, get, <laughs> get with the basketball program. And just because we're not hearing all any of that sort of thing, uh, which we'll get to in the next segment, but whatever's going on w- with that, they're clearly doing it well because we've got kids that five years ago would have never been interested in local football that now are saying, Got to visit here. I mean, it's going to be a cold weekend. Mm-hmm. It's in terms of like national impact. Louisville, NC State is not going to move the needle. Nope. I, I know NC State is nationally ranked, but still, like, you know, there are bigger games this weekend, and yet we're still going to have this elite group of visitors. It, it does. I, I think it, you see why so many Cardinal fans are still in kind of pinch me mode. Like, yep. like I'll believe it when I see it. Like, we're all just you know, just kind of waiting to see it. But right, I mean, it's. It's all good, and yeah. it, it can be good. Just keep winning. Yeah. Just just, just keep winning. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit. I'm distracted by the fact that I'm looking at the score. Uh, somebody just alerted me to the fact that Wake Forest is leading LaSalle in the Jamaica Classic, but Josh Nickelberry uh, hit his first six three-pointers of the game oh, and has 18 points for the uh, for the Crusaders. Uh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. great. Good. Uh, that was my first year. I was like, what do you want me to say to that? Great. <laughs> Wonderful. He didn't play for us anymore. Uh, but props to him. We've got uh, also quickly uh, Murray State looking to cap to uh, consolidate its big win over Texas A&M. They're in the semifinals of the Myrtle Beach Invitational now, and they lead UMass and Matt Cross, who is their leading scorer with nine points, 36 to 33 in the first half. There, that game is on uh, ESPN two. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Keith Wynn in studio. We'll get into a little bit more about this NC State game. We can also talk about the basketball recruiting news of the day. It's the Mike Rutherford Show continues next year on 1450 The Big X.
Patrick, there we go. Welcome back in. Mike Rutherford Show here on a Friday on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Uh, Keith Wynn with me in studio today. Reminder, if you have heating problems this winter, it's getting cold out there. It's staying cold out there. If your heat goes out in the middle of the night, no one to call, you got somebody to call. It's our friends over at AirServe. They have technicians available for you 24-7. If you can't th- make it through the night without that heat coming back on, you can always call AirServe at 502-264-9662 to find out everything that AirServe can do for you. Visit them online at airserve.com slash Louisville. The spelling there, A-I-R-E-S-E-R-V dot com slash Louisville. Or again, you can call them directly at 502-264-9662. Cards taken on NC State Saturday. It's a 3.30 kickoff um, on, again, Regional Sports Networks. If you haven't, <laughs> if, I just, if I just broke that news to you, I'm so sorry. But kind of a, I mean, there are on-field storylines that, that, are apparent to everybody, uh, the, the playing status of, of both quarterbacks on these teams. But a bizarre off-field storyline emerged today. A ex-NC State football player was arrested for stalking uh, head coach Dave Dorn. The arrest stems from a tweet that was sent by a former player, Joseph, um, I have no idea how to pronounce yeah, that last name, Bullet Pelly. Uh, he was 22 years old. He was a member of the NC State team in both 2018 and 2019 and tweeted out, I'm going to get him. I promise Dave Dorn and the rest. Um, he was arrested and charged, also charged with a resisting arrest. Investigators said that he pulled away from officers who attempted to handcuff him. I mean, obviously, this is a, a serious deal under any circumstances, but especially in light of what happened at Virginia mm-hmm. this week. I mean, you can't you, you can't help but take this stuff very, very seriously. And I'm sure that that's uh, at least a minor distraction for Dave Dorn and company. It's it's just well, I guess it wasn't also yeah. his first time. Apparently, he had he had shown up to the offices and at some point in the past as well. So that oh, I just read a different story. I guess that's part of the arrest warrant is it? And to your point, I think that after what happened in Virginia, that's when, you know, it was like, Hey, we've got to, you know, take care of this. We can't let this guy keep, you know, tweeting threats and things like that without taking it seriously. Yeah. So uh, definitely a crazy situation. Uh, he transferred away, you know, to, to Maryland and played a little bit there, but I don't know, hopefully, you know, maybe it's a situation where you need some help and hopefully they get him this help. Cause that seems out of, out of left field. Yeah, it's uh, it's all scary. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton Sucks line, by the way. Um, I did like the first <laughs> the first text that came today was at 258, and it was, what are Trevor's thoughts on Pete Davidson's new flame? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's dating Emily Ratajkowski now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's... There's, there's something there. I don't know what it is, but it's the gross tattoos. I don't know. More power to him. Yeah. Uh, the second text was, in Fabio we trust. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say I'm 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 a little surprised that he's not at least playing a little bit. I think everybody is. With, he and Devin Reeves. Yeah, with the with the struggles they're having at the guard spot with with L. You know, I think even you go back to the game. I know we haven't. I don't know. Maybe I'm going off subject. The, one of the 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 late free throw that L. Ellis missed. His legs look just completely gone. And, twice now too. Yeah, that and, has happened. And it's very you know it's, it's tough not to look back. It's like how do they find ways to get him some minutes off the court. Uh, and hopefully Fabio's the, the answer there. You'd like to think so. I think it was telling when Kenny Payne had his media availability yesterday, or it was after actually after the game on Tuesday night, where he was asked about Fabio, Devin Ree, and Roosevelt Wheeler not playing much. And they said, you know, are they banged up, or is it just, you know, they're not getting it done in practice? And he said both. Like, it's a, it's a mixture yeah. of both. So it's it's very clear that they don't have a whole lot of faith in Fabio Basile or Devin Ree right now, which is why you're seeing – Hersey Miller get all the backup point guard minutes, and Zan Payne get uh, a lot of the time that 
we would think would go to Devin Ree, right. uh, which the fan base just loves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's still, at some point, if those guys can help you at some point down the line, you got to throw them into the fire a little yeah. bit. And that hasn't happened yet. Um, again, Thor's next line, 502-414-1450. We'll take, uh, we'll take a couple more texts here. A lot of this is just, just again, just people wanting to talk about basketball. <laughs> Texas Mike fixed his stream. I did. It feels great today. It's looking great. Kelsey, uh, Kelsey Texas, she said stream is working. Stream is working. Right. I know. I love that, like, when the stream's out, I mean, I some people get really upset, which we saw yesterday. I couldn't read the million texts. Like, every, the te every text line was like a, a journey to get through a million texts from people just <laughs> – bitching about the the text line to get to some actual talk but like my wife even will be like is the show not on today i'm like stream doesn't work and then she'll be like well i can't listen i'm like you can make we have a you'll get, go get the alarm clock from downstairs you can listen to the show uh texas mike answered these questions for me if you could okay um who are the groups slash people or parties that encouraged or pushed kp to become head coach who are the parents uh I mean, I, I'm not going to tell you any of this stuff. No, you're, you're, <laughs> I told you yesterday I wasn't telling you. Uh, uh, Texas, finally, do we get a water slide at the Maui Hotel? I don't think there's a water slide this year at the hotel. So, <laughs> might not win the title. I don't know what you want me to say there. Um, I mean, the, 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 all we hear about the groups of people pushing that encourage KP to become head coach, I guess this is – I don't know. There are message board rumors out there talking about this. I mean, it should be no secret. Like, there were people – we knew that there were big-time boosters that wanted Kenny Payne to have the job last yeah. year. That was was not out there. If you want me to, like, give you a full list of everybody – I can't do that. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I mean – and like, are, and these are, you're asking me questions that I can't possibly get. Are we losing top prospects or are we behind because of NIL? Who have we lost because of NIL? I, I, don't, I can't tell you exa yeah. every <laughs> single recruit and what they were offered <laughs> other places and who they haven't been offered. I just, I just, I don't know. I'm sorry. I mean, I think the, I get the, I mean, I completely get the frustration, but I do think it was pretty obvious. I think that's one thing that's been a little bit weird. It seems like it was like, you know, I can't believe they hired this guy. It's like every, this was a obvious thing that was happening. It wasn't like it was like it came out of nowhere. I felt right. like it was pretty obvious that that was, the you know the folks that that had maybe some sway wanted KP and it was almost to the point where it was like it's it's that or else kind of thing where it was ultimatum ultimatum level but I don't I still don't think that I guess from my own personal view that it was some kind of ridiculously off the wall hire I mean this is no. a guy that had plenty of experience uh, plenty of people that that sang his praises he coached at a high level I mean it's not like they hired some guy off the street and that, I guess that's the part that it maybe uh, it's a little bit weird to me, maybe, or a little bit surprising from the backlash to that. The results are the results. You can't defend it. I mean, it's not like anybody's going to say, hey, you know, this is acceptable and this is what we all wanted or anything like that. But the hire itself being questioned is a little bit maybe more surprising to me. I mean, I had, I certainly had reservations about the hire, but not, but I also could understand why somebody would vouch for it. And I think I said a number of times, like, if you're going to make a hire like this, which is unconventional given the current state of Louisville basketball being, again, top six program. Now's the time to do it because yeah. we're in a bit of a state of flux. We're not in a position of power. You might not have as easy a, uh, a time luring in the type of coach that you would be able to get under quote-unquote normal circumstances. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And two years from now, three years from now, you're back in the exact same spot that you are now. Yep. The NCAA stuff's behind you. You can go out and get somebody who maybe was reluctant three years prior. And you probably wouldn't have to pay him more. But that's you know, <laughs> those are 2025 problems. Right. But I think that – I mean, going back to the text question – I mean, the one name that always stood out to me that made me kind of – because a lot of the stuff is done behind closed doors. You never hear exactly what the conversations are, who the people are. But when I heard that Junior Bridgman was putting his weight behind Kenny Payne, it, 
it, it's not a surprise that he would support the move, but that he would do it vocally mm-hmm. with anything. Yeah, it's not. I mean, typically, Junior kind of stands in the background and he's going to move once a, a move is actually made. But for him to come out and, according to many, many people, say like, "I think Kenny Payne should be the guy," is no small thing in this community. Right. And he wasn't alone. I know. I mean, Rick Heber, who's another powerful booster, mm-hmm. was had the initial dinner with Kenny Payne in New York to kind of get the ball rolling there and see, you know, are you interested? What would it take? And he was clearly behind it. So those, yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of of push for Kenny Payne to get the job. Um, do I think that like it was? Josh Hurd was pressured beyond the, like no I mean maybe some people tried yeah. but Josh Hurd was going to do what he wanted to do yeah. and, and if he had found who he thought was a better candidate and a candidate that he could bring in he would have made that move I think he thought KP was the best guy for the job well and I think I was on you know when the last time I was on I was on the show with the Coast and we talked about that is like as long as Josh goes as a process yeah. and goes after who he wants to go after and maybe he's not going to land those guys and sometimes that's unfortunate sometimes maybe you can you can put that on Josh that hey you've got to close the deal you know whether you whatever side of the fence you sit on there as long as he went after it is all i really cared about Same. and i and he went through the process and you know you end up with the, with you who you end up with and you know still early in in, in kenny payne's tenure i mean i think games. that's the other aspect is that you know um there's time there's some there's some patience that he that he that he deserves um but at the same time all there's lots of red flags also you know, especially from a recruiting standpoint, um, you know, that's obviously the point. That's where you at least hope that, okay, you can see what's coming in the future. And right now, it's kind of, it's not, it's not where you want to be. I like that. Uh, the text says, quote from Keith, maybe I'm going off subject. Keith, have you ever listened to the show? It's <laughs> 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 kind of what we do. That's true. It happens. <laughs> uh, we, we talked, and I don't want to shift the conversation entirely to basketball. We can get back to We haven't talked about the you know, the NC State game specifically yet. We'll do that certainly before we get out of here. But the big recruiting news of the day, um, I mentioned on – okay, it's, it's been a quick build. On Wednesday I said on the show, I'm hearing that Louisville is, is firmly behind on A.J. Johnson, the last five-star kid out there. And then yesterday Jeff Greer wrote in his newsletter – that he was hearing that not only is Texas the leader for A.J. Johnson, but LSU is the only college, other college that's being mentioned. And then we find out this morning, hey, A.J. Johnson, who has been saying all along he doesn't want to commit early, he's going to wait <laughs> until the spring, is going to announce his college commitment on Monday. That would, of course, unless something crazy happens this weekend, come without him taking an, an official visit to Louisville. He was supposed to come for Louisville Live, canceled the morning of, uh, said he was going to reschedule. It does not look like that's going to happen, and all signs are pointing towards him committing to Texas, which just continues to take everything and anything from <laughs> us, apparently. Um, so this, it makes it very clear. If there was some hope that, you know, KP was going to have a 2023 recruiting class that was going to be top five, top 10, or have a five-star player who could come in and, you know, be the center of next year's team, that's not going to happen. Louisville, AJ Johnson is the last five-star player on the board in the 2023 class. So, you know, I had a couple people reach out today and say, we don't get Johnson. Who's next? If you're talking about, like, one-and-done type talent, lottery pick type talent, nobody's next. Yeah. They're, they're all taken at this point. Um, the highest player left on the board in the 2023 class is Isaiah Miranda, who Louisville is still actively recruiting. He's the only player right now left in that class that Louisville currently is actively recruiting. Right. And you keep looking down the list, you're like, well, who else is there? Who else is there? The next player is Bronny James, who I don't think we got <laughs> much of a shot at. And then you keep going down, and it's mostly like guys that we have not reached out to yet that are you know, low four-star talents. The point is this. If the thought process was, and this was mine going into the season, there are two ways that Kenny Payne can really win the segment of the fan base that is hesitant about him over in year one. He can do it on the court, overachieve to the point where you're like, yeah, this guy 
he can coach. This was mm-hmm. a team that not a lot of people expected it a lot from. Maybe they go to the NCAA tournament. Maybe they at least flirt with the NCAA tournament. That's not happening so far, um, to put it mildly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or two, you know, be the ace recruiter that you were built to be. You know, show us right off the bat, five-star kids are coming here. We're going to get the type of player that we weren't even getting when Patino was here, the, the late crumb years. That's not going to happen either. You can have a solid class still if it's Caleb Glenn, Curtis Williams, Isaiah Miranda, and then maybe somebody else who comes in. Mm-hmm. But the writing is on the wall. If the expectation for Kenny Payne is going to be make the tournament in year two, which I think it should be. I think it yeah. should be for not just him, for anybody who takes this job in this day and age with NIL and, and you know one-time transfers and eligibility immediately, he should be able to make the tournament at a place like Louisville in his second year. His route to make that happen now is he's got to kill the transfer portal. And he didn't do it last year. Yeah. He'll have a chance to do it again. There will be players out there. There will be players who be like, well, who would want to come to a 6-22 and Louisville team? Lots of people. Yeah. <laughs> it's still Louisville. It's still a big-time community. It's still a chance for these kids to come here, play games against Duke and Kentucky and North Carolina on national TV, have a giant spotlight on them. You know, these kids are the stars of the town. Like, mm-hmm. lots of people want to – lots of kids wanted to go to Iowa State the year after they were 2-22 and and they went to the Sweet 16 last year because of it. Right. You will be able to get kids – so long as you're willing to give at least some of them what they're asking for. Some of them, for some of them, it may be just the opportunity. For some of them, it may be they want some playing time. They want, you know, NIL is certainly going to be a discussion that we have to have. But the point is, Kenny Payne now, if he's going to get this thing right, whether it's this season or next season, transfer portal stuff's going to have to pick up. Well, no, I think the, the that's where the concern is, of course, because I think they, I felt like they went hard after the guys in the portal this 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 past summer and struck out. I mean, and that's the hard part for me is that, you know, this team was going to be extremely inexperienced. So not only can you sell the fact that, you know, hey, new coach, new situation, hey, I, I'm, I need to build this roster. You also don't have to worry about anybody saying, well, how, what's my path to the court? It's like they, all, yeah. none of these guys have played, you know. Here's a game film from last year. Right, you know, so that was the hard part for me is that you look at a guy like, you know, like a Tyrese Hunter. Who we you know they they really wanted and they, they seem to go out there and it's like this guy has an obvious path to come here, play in those games like you talked about, get the spotlight and then go to the, go to the NBA and just hard pass. And so you wonder what the sell is. What what are they? What are you know? You can't get guys are passing up on official visits and things like that. It's just a free trip. I mean yeah. you know like you know just saying oh well, I'm, just, I'm just gonna you know put keep this one in my back pocket kind of thing. That is that's the concerning aspect. It is not like they're missing close. They're whiffing. And, you know, and that's where obviously, you know, something's gotta change, whether it's the tactics, whether it's the 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 the, the strategy, uh, or or who they're going after. And, you know, that's the concerning part for that year too, is that okay, now to your point, hey, that twenty twenty three class is gone. Okay, it has you gotta win the portal. And we've already seen that that's that might be a challenge. So it's, it's definitely concerning. Yeah, it, it's like it's going to have to happen, yeah. or, or else you're looking at a season that's probably. I mean, you'd hope better than this year, but yeah. probably the same. I mean, we we said the same thing about last year's team. Like the just be better than last year. And right now, you know, again, lots of basketball still to be played, but certainly the start is is not not great. Texas Keith, big fan of your game breakdowns, super educational stuff, and I appreciate you. Talk to me like I'm an intermediate knowledge fan and tell me what's changed since the Boston College game besides additional girth in Scott's D. We love Scott's D on the show. <laughs> um, it's really, I think, you know, I think it, this has been a thing that's been, I've been arguing on Twitter for God knows how many weeks now. Um, Execution is the biggest thing. 
you know, you look at the Boston College game specifically is a perfect game to really look at of why things, you know, like what's changed. The defensive line in that game, and this is a stat that will stick with me for the rest of the season, had three tackles total. Jeez. We're looking at a defense where guys like Yaya Diaby are averaging like a, a tackle and a half, a tackle for loss and a half per game. And the entire defensive line as a group only had three tackles in that game. You can't win the game if your linebackers are getting eaten up. And that's why Boston College was able to run the ball. Um, that's why they had to commit more guys to the box. And next thing you know, Josh Meekins is covering Zay Flowers, which is absolutely never going to happen. It's not going to happen, right? So not ideal. this is kind of where the last couple of years compared to now is that they're getting better work out of their front, uh, the front of their defense, and they're able to keep guys in coverage and also bring a little bit of pressure, but also say, hey, we're not going to have to play man coverage because we're not bringing eight guys. We can bring four and five guys, get pressure on the quarterback, and now you have actual guys in coverage. So I think some of that is a little bit of a, a tactic change where you look at the Florida State game, you know, it's just kind of the same thing. They weren't really struggling as much with uh, getting, you know, penetration and whatnot up front against Florida State but they were still just bringing too many guys. And then, again, you have a safety on a wide receiver, and he goes for a 70-yard pass, and then they, they score. So, you know, I think more than anything is execution. Guys are playing better. Guys like Des Telefront, guys like Mason Rager, um, guys like uh, uh, Jared Dawson, some of the guys that aren't necessarily getting the stats where, you know, maybe or getting the highlights. But I, I, I talk about this in the, uh, in the film breakdowns that I've pointed out. You look at the things that Destell and Jared Dawson are doing to, to disrupt a running back on a run play, and Yasir Dula is getting the, getting the tackle for loss. It's not that Yasir doesn't, doesn't deserve the highlight, but the credit should also go to the guys that are helping him make that play. That's team defense. That's the things that are different now. It, it was very much a singular players making plays over the last couple of years, and now they're playing more as a unit. And, um, you know, and the secondary being better is also helping. When, I, I know you've been talking about Yasir Abdullah being – the best player on the team for a long time. You, you dubbed him, that's his nickname, best player on the team. <laughs> When's the last time we had a guy having this type of individual defensive season? Like he's, I don't know if it's really setting in. I know we have two games left, but I was talking about the podcast. I hope that he, I hope everybody gets a great send off on Saturday, but him yeah. specifically, I hope he's appreciated because he has been, I mean, not just good. Like yeah. he has been, we, it's been so rare that we've seen a guy have this type of season on the defensive side of the ball. This has been a, a special type of year for number 22. I think the thing about, about him that also makes it so much fun, he's doing it all. Like You can go back to Gerard Holloman's year, and Gerard Holloman had 14 interceptions but couldn't tackle anything you know, and, and, and was a liability in that, in that yeah. aspect. Yasir Abdullah is good at everything he does. I mean, coverage, he's good. You know, he, he gets down and you know, he's covering backs and tight ends and whatnot. He has like three or four career interceptions now as a pass rusher. I mean, and that's not, hey, a tip pass and it just falls on his lap. He's dropping in the coverage. In the zone coverage, he's had interceptions. In man coverage, he's had interceptions. It's insane. And and I and I, I agree with you. I really do hope that people take the time to realize that we're seeing one of the best players in the history of the program. And I think that's important because there's a fo there's always a focus on the guys that, that, that handle the ball, right, whether it be a, a quarterback, a wide receiver, running back. Um, and even on the defensive side of the ball, it's maybe guys like, you know, that, that like Jair Alexander is well-known, and he really didn't have a huge impact on Louisville football, but he was a really great player. And, you know, he's more in a position where they make the highlight plays that are maybe more impactful. Yashir Abdullah does so much and does so much so well. He's very talented. You know, they talk about him running a 4-4 and whatnot. Uh, he doesn't have the prototype size. He's only like six foot, six one. 
I, that's the, that's, those are guys I love watching play. They kind of overcome some of the some of the things they don't have going for him. And even from the position he plays, he's supposed to just be a pass rusher, which is you know very much a singular thing you're supposed to do. But he does all the other things well. And you know I think the the other thing it seems like he's kind of grown into a leader and a guy that does some things off the field. He's done some charity things around the city. This city's become a part of him, and I think that's really important too. And those are the guys that are really easy to root for, and I hope people appreciate it. Plus, at one point in time, he had the uh, the car crunkle bird mask as his uh, Twitter avatar. He did. He's, he did. He's a star. We love him. We've always <laughs> loved him. We love him more now that he's uh, he's awesome. Texas says RIP to yesterday's podcast, wherever it is. Keith, please save the show. He's doing it. He's doing it right now. Yeah, no podcast from yesterday, so you won't hear the the great story of just three hours of, of, of basketball complaining from a lot of people. Texas says. Um, uh, great story if you haven't read it, Mike. Cards, many. Yeah, Patrick was talking about this story of the, the the kid from from Moore Middle School that's everywhere now. It's gone viral. It's all over the place. It is a very very cool story of the young man who's playing basketball without uh, w- without any legs. Uh, Texas says, "Woody, I'm not gonna read that." <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I love it when you start. I like, start. Oh, gotta stop. Always start. <laughs> How Te- long do you think Trevor would have talked about a basketball player with no legs? Not too long. <laughs> All I can think about is the Kevin quote. It's like, no legs and no arms is pretty much how you exist anyway. You don't do anything. Like That's, that's the way that we would have to talk about Trevor. Texas says, uh, I finished listening to the CC podcast while sitting at a spotlight before I realized it was the Home Depot audio at the end. I'm looking around to see what truck's backup alarm is beeping and about to hit me. Yeah, I tossed that. We tried to do a, a show last week where Danny was literally in a Home Depot. And it, I'm talking very passionately about the Bellman loss. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's not good. You can't lose to Bellman. And like, all of a sudden, it's like, beep. Beep. And I'm in the middle of talking. And I finally have to be like, what, what is that beeping? And he's like, there's a forklift going up right by him. So we had to stop doing the podcast. We cut it off. So I put the the hidden audio at the end of today's episode. I couldn't figure out what he said, but I heard the beep and the, the, the laughter afterwards was amazing. I, was not, I mean, because was, it was so serious. Like the, It was like a seven-minute podcast before we finally called it quits, and it was so serious. I'm like, that that's what we needed to, to just break this up. <laughs> he says, Mike, we are not getting Miranda. I'm aware that that's the – the general consensus. Why well, I said yesterday, there's probably a less than 50% chance that we're getting it. Texas says, uh, recruits are taking notice of the first five games. Uh, Texas says, Travis Brandon from 24-7 this morning says, UofL isn't in good with Miranda anymore, and he's starting to open up to other schools. Recruits are taking notice of the first five games, is what he said. I'm sure they are. I mean, yeah. But at the same time, like, you're not, I mean, we see bad basketball teams with bad basketball history get high-level recruits every year, yeah. for the most part. And, Louisville should be able – if Kenny Payne is this – I mean, recruits should have taken notice of last year's team. Yeah. Like, if Kenny Payne was the is this recruiting guru that he's been made out to be, he should be getting kids regardless. Like, this is all – everybody should have known, whether it was this year or next year, that they're going to be part of a rebuild. And the sell is come here at a program that cares about basketball more than just about any other in the country. Be treated like rock stars in, in this big city. You're not in a college town. You know, play it in a gigantic spotlight mm-hmm. under a – on a big stage, make yourself some some money in the process. Go to the NBA. Like that's it's not a well, tough sell. Unless and you know I know you know it's it's all it's all under his umbrella, but he's also got assistant coaches that were supposed to be attracting talent as well. Nolan Smith is is a guy who's been at Duke. Yep. Who recruited at Duke? Who, who's coached under you know Coach K and coached with other good coaches there, um, especially for guards, which is what they really need. You you expect him to be able to go out there and attract that attract that you know talent as well, and that's also a pretty big letdown from my standpoint. Sure. You know, the, the bigs obviously you expect Kenny Payne that's his that's what he's good at, and then you also have Danny Manning who's a guy that at least when you get guys on campus, he's he's someone that you know and you know he's got a, he's got the, the the pedigree 
But Nolan Smith was a guy that I was like, yeah, they're going to bring this guy in. He's going to be able to go out there. And, and I didn't buy into the whole he's going to get guys that are committed to Duke. I thought that was always silly. But I thought that, hey, guys are going to want to – he's going to attract attention as a top assistant on the staff that you can come in and learn how to play guard from Nolan Smith. And that just hasn't happened, obviously. No. I saw the – I think you retweeted earlier, Ruben Owens rushed just for a 73-yard touchdown in his, on the first offensive play of the game of his playoff game in Texas, which puts him over 7,000 yards for his career. Uh, by the way, why are they playing a Texas high school playoff game at, like, kickoff at 1 really in the weird. afternoon their time? That's super, super – on weird. a Friday. Yeah, very weird. What are they doing? But uh, <laughs> his El Campo team and Kilgore are tied at 7 in that playoff game. Shout out to Ruben Owens. 7,000 career yards, no big deal. Yeah, that's, that's a large insane. number. You see some of those stats. I mean, we're getting the types of guys that have those stats too now. It's, yeah. it's pretty wild. Um, last text here. I know we have to go to break. Texas, would a team of – come on, guys. <laughs> would, a, would a team of Bobby Pettiford, Josh Nickelberry, Samuel Williamson, Matt Cross, and Dre Davis beat us? I mean, maybe. I don't, yeah. <laughs> prof, they'd probably be favored. I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> it's not great. I don't know, I don't know how else I could put it. I'm, yeah. I'm not happy about it. You're not happy about it. What else can we say? Um Texas KPS Clyde Drexler, thank you for that. The same Texas said he was Patrick Ewing yesterday. You can't just change your you can't I see your old text. <laughs> you can't just change it from one day to the next. You gotta pick one and go with it. Uh Texas also Travis Branham says we're probably out on Miranda to, Yeah, I don't know. That guy doesn't tweet good news for us ever. He, he, Branham doesn't. He's a UK guy, right? Well, he did at one point when he switched his crystal ball prediction to Louisville and it was very short lived. He's like, now I'm pulling it back. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I've seen the recruiting news too, guys. I get it. It's, it's not good. Uh, we got to go to break when we come back. Four o'clock hour. We'll talk specifically about this NC State game. We can take more of your texts as well. Uh, we will do our pick segment before the end of the show, making our picks for this weekend, getting ready for, I mean, CK and I are tied. I'm going to have to send him some games to pick before we get to tomorrow's games because he's uh, we're all tied up with two weeks to go in the regular season. But we got Keith Wynn in here. We'll pick his brain some more coming up. Hour number two with the Rutherford Show is on the way next here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. Welcome back in. Short show today, so this is actually the 4 o'clock hour, but the last hour of today's show, we're going to hand the baton over to Indiana basketball uh, once we're out of here. Who's Indiana play tonight, Patrick? Do you know? I'm not sure. Thank you for that. <laughs> Dynamite as always. That's why you're the best in the biz. Um, Indiana will play Xavier. Oh, it's the uh, it's, it's the Miller brothers. Uh, I knew that. Looking for some revenge on Sean Miller. They won't get Archie this year, although Rhode Island is terrible. But any Miller brother will do. IU is a... Uh, two and a half point favorite. They're playing in the what's the the Gavit tip off games. That's a road game, true road game at Xavier. Six o'clock is the tip off time. We'll hand uh, the things over to them to get ready for their pregame show at five o'clock. We're we're not sure. Like next week is going to be a little bit weird. We know for sure that we're going to be on the air on Friday, getting you ready for the UK game. We'll be out at Oxmoor Ford from three to six normal hours. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, a little bit. Interesting because we got Louisville games, Louisville games going on. We've got Western Kentucky games going on as well. I know we're going to start late on Monday because Western will be playing at the same time that we're supposed to be on, and then the Louisville game tips off at five. I don't, 
who's going to listen to us while Louisville's playing <laughs> besides maybe UK fans. I don't think we'll be on at that time. So we'll figure it out. And then, you know, Western and Louisville schedules are determined on whether they win or lose on Tuesday and Wednesday. I think Louisville, Louisville if they lose, we'll play at two 30 on, uh, on Tuesday, Western. I've got no idea. So we will just be, we'll have to be flexible next week is my point, uh, but we will get there. It's gonna be a fun week. Maui games, the world cup going on, uh, getting ready for the big rivalry game against Kentucky, then Thanksgiving on Thursday, go Lions, beat the Bills. Not going to happen. That's okay. Uh, we'll be excited about all that good stuff, but the, the the schedule for the show will be a little bit wonky for the first few days. we got Keith Wynn in studio here. We haven't talked really specifically about this game against NC State this weekend. It's, it's senior day. Cards going to wear all red. We're going to say goodbye to, I think, 22 seniors. Louisville's a slim four-point favorite. We don't, we don't know the status of the, the Morris kid at NC State. We don't know, the, don't know the status about Malik. Both quarterbacks kind of up in the air. I'm just sort of assuming that neither's going to play. I think that's kind of – Kind of getting there. It, this feels like a Brock Doman week. It feels like the Virginia week where mum's the word and we're going to find out Saturday morning, like, oh, yeah, Brock's, Brock's going to play. Yep. And then the there's too much smoke for there not to be at least some fire with Morris when it comes to NC State and the, the reports that are coming out of there about his injury. But even if he does play, he's a NC State's offense has not been setting the world on fire recently. This kind of feels like a game where going into the season you thought, you know, Devin Leary, Malik Cunningham, lots of points, lots of excitement. Yep. And now it's like this could be a slugfest. Both teams are relying heavily on their defenses. We're very good at getting in the backfield. We're very good at forcing turnovers. They're the number nine rush defense in, in the country. We're going to try to run the ball. It's That's clearly a huge matchup for this. Yeah. Where's your confidence level right now? Speak comfort to me. How are you <laughs> feeling about this game coming up here in, in uh, just about 24 hours? I feel better than I did a couple weeks ago, partially because MJ Morris – even if he plays, he's come down to earth a little bit. I mean, he, he came in the Virginia Tech game uh, a couple weeks ago and threw three touchdowns and, and won the game for him. Comes back next week, throws three touchdowns again. Uh, he's got enough mobility to, to cause you problems. He extends plays really well, which when you're getting after the quarterback, the last thing you want is a quarterback and they can, they can get around the rush. Um, and he throws a really nice ball. I mean, super accurate kid. Um, and he, he seems to have a good head on his shoulder. So I'm like, well, I'm not sure the crowd's going to, you know, all the things that like, you know, like, God, this guy's going to come in and you think things are going to be bad with Devin Leary out. And then their backup that they initially put in was just not getting yeah. the job done at all. He's their third stringer. And I'm like, oh, true freshman. And he lights the world on fire. But last week he he completely came down to earth. Um, especially it seems like uh, they're, they're all American center. Grant Gibson uh, went out in the second quarter. And it seems like that's what really, you know, turned the tide there. Boston College really got out to the quarterback of that, really, you know, shut down the run game. So it seems like he might be the bigger factor. And with, with their injuries and with, you know, it just seems like, I don't know what it is, but the around that program, it just seems really just like everything's falling apart kind of feeling. And some of that is just because NC State can never get over that hump. But it just seems not, nothing seems positive coming out of NC State right now. So I feel good about it. I think the home, home environment is going to help. I think it's important that Louisville does not come out slow like they have this season. Uh, NC State's been coming out fast, and they've been able to outscore opponents early and then just hold on for leads. So, you know, I feel pretty good about Louisville's chances, uh, whether it's with Brock Doman or Malik Cunningham, because I think the defense is really going to be the factor in the game. And, you, you know, even when they've played good run defenses, they've seemed to do pretty well running the ball lately. Clemson was a different story. If you get Tyon, is he is he healthy? Can he play? Can he be the guy like he was before he got injured? You know, last week, that gives you a whole different you know outcome of the game in my opinion. So, the health is a big thing, but I think that Louisville's injury, even even though Malik is a key to this offense, I think that they have a healthy offensive line. I think that they have, uh, and if they have healthy running backs, 
you have something better than what NC State has, which is already an offense that wasn't doing a lot. And then the guy that really got it going, if he's even if he's playing hobbled, which he left that game with a knee brace and an obvious limp, there's a good chance that he maybe doesn't have that uh, that ability to extend the plays as much. Maybe that affects his accuracy because his legs aren't there. All kinds of factors there. So I think the Louisville's just in a better situation from a health standpoint, and I think their defense causes more havoc. Yeah, Matt, Matt McGavick was laying it out yesterday. I, I don't think I realized how badly NC State's banged up, not just at the quarterback position, mm-hmm. but at a lot of different spots. Yeah. They still, though, I mean, they are a team that can take away what Louisville wants to do so effectively, which is run the ball, kind of the traditional run game, especially if Malik's out. If that does wind up being the case, falls on the shoulders of Brock Doman to get it done in the passing game. I think you expect him to play the way that he played against Virginia is best case scenario where, you know, if the running game stalls out a little bit, he's still he's able to hit. A couple 15 yard crossing routes, maybe a big play if it's open. Mm-hmm. Maybe you bring out, I don't know, Braden Smith, maybe he throws a pass again. He's looking pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but that's that has to be the MO. I don't think anybody expects this Louisville team to go out there and score 42 points against this NC State defense, but they shouldn't have to. This should right. be a game where the defense puts you in a position where if you just have three, four, five scoring drives, that's enough to get the job done. Yeah, I think I think two things are, are important for Louisville. Uh, first and foremost, the offensive line has got to protect Brandoman. That's what happened in the Virginia game. Virginia was a team that can get after the quarterback, and they they just they had zero negative plays in that game. You know, the offensive line dominated that game, and when you can give Brock Doman the comfort, it's not even necessarily the time. He doesn't necessarily. He's, you know, what he's shown us so far is that when he sees pressure in his face, it's it's he's kind of like Malik. He kind of freaks out a little bit, and he kind of throws off his back leg. He'll throw. You know, when he when he feels like the comfort, whether he's going to get hit or not, he feel when he's willing to step in, he can make those throws, but. When you when he gets split second as soon as the ball snapped and he's got pressure there, he freaks out just like Malik does. So they've got to give him that comfort that he can stand in the pocket, and I think he can make the throws. I think he's shown that when he has the time and he, he feels comfortable. The other thing they have to do, and, I, and I've talked about this since the summer, uh, since the spring, God, I call them the others, and it's literally everybody other than Malik Cunningham. They've got to find a way to get those guys involved in making plays, and we saw a little bit of that with Tyler Hudson last week just in their natural passing game. But you've got to get some reverses. You've got to get some misdirection, some things that keep a defense that is aggressive off of your back. And they just—I I think they've done a poor job of that. Some of that is just a lack of options, and you—you you got to figure it out. I mean, whether it's Braden Smith or Amari Huggins, Bruce, those jet sweeps and things like that to get these guys on the edges and get some cheap yardage, at least that. But sometimes you get a big play out of that, and they just haven't done a very good job of that. They've been seeking that deep ball. A little bit too much, and and they finally kind of coming away from that. But where where else are you getting those those chunk plays? It can't just all be your running game, and it definitely can't be Malik Cunningham. And we saw it again last week. Even though, you know, he's he's walking around with a bandaged hand, they're doing these design runs for him. Just everybody's waiting for it. Yeah. Everybody knows it's coming. And I rewatched last year's NC State game, and they were down Isaiah Moore, who's their you know really great linebacker, Peyton Wilson, who's their best talent on their defense. Both those guys out of the game. Drake Thomas, who's their undersized, you know, linebacker, had the game of his life doing nothing but spying Malik Cunningham, waiting for him to run, and then just tracking him down and tackling him. At 13 tackles, three and a half for a loss or something like that, and, and like two sacks. You, you can't let, you know, that's just a that's just a team scouting you, knowing what you're going to do, and then you doing it anyway, and them just taking it away from you. You've got to get away from that, and they need these, they need to, it's not that the other players can't do it, I don't think. I think we've seen flashes. They just got to give them the opportunities, and that's what they have to do, whether Malik's playing or not this week, is get those other guys involved because everyone's keying on Malik. Somebody else has to make plays. 
Last year's NC State game, if I remember correctly, and you watched it more recently than I have because uh, I have not rewatched it. <laughs> but I remember, you know, I, I, I do think Malik probably gets more crap from the fan base than he deserves a lot of times. Yeah. But that was the one game last year where you kind of felt like, man, if he just plays like his average game, yep. there were points that were left out there. He missed on a lot of open guys. He made a lot of wrong reads in that, that read option offense. And we had a chance against that NC State team. And that was also we got into the point where we'd lost so many close games late where when it got to the, the fourth quarter and we're yeah. leading by – like we had a lead going into the fourth quarter. Everybody was like, well, this one's over. Yeah. There's no way. And they were right. We ended up losing by 15. I just kind of felt like missed opportunities. Here's hoping that those opportunities are still available this weekend and that we can actually capitalize on them. Um, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. Short show, I want to make sure that you guys can, can get your thoughts heard. Uh, Taylor says, do we know who is healthy at running back right now? I imagine we see a huge dose of the running game and then have Scott Steve carry us to the finish. We the <laughs> We love the Scott's D on the show. Uh, I, I mean, Ty and Evan's status is, is certainly up in the air. It sounds like Jawar Jordan and Maurice Turner we know are both available. Um, Jalen Mitchell and Travion Cooley did not travel with the team to Clemson. Yeah. Take that for what it's worth. Yeah. I, I do love the inside info. People are like hearing reports of Cooley transferring. It's like, you think? Like <laughs> The guy who's fourth on the depth chart at running back, who's also playing the same position as the number one running back in America is coming yeah. in. Like. May not happen, but it doesn't take inside info to know that it's certainly a possibility. Um, I would just assume that we're not going to see those guys this week. Although Cooley, I mean, even if he does want to transfer, it's not like he would. He, he can hold out for. He's played more than four games this yeah. year, so he can't get this year back. So, you know, a little bit more surprised with Jalen Mitchell. So am I. Uh, you know, and, I, and and it might be that he might have a legit reason to be out, and they you just haven't yeah, said so. Know. But um, yeah, Cooley, I think you know, I, I think going in this year, you have four running backs, all underclassmen. Uh, I think Ty and Evans is probably going to the NFL no matter what because I think that that was his goal last year. Um, but I, I remember even when they got Ruben Owens, I was like, okay, I wonder, if, you know, who's the second running back in this class? And somebody's like, why would they get another running back? I was like, they're going to lose these guys. They're yeah. not going to just stick around. So, um, and they've they've also offered a few high school running backs over the last couple of weeks, which tells you that somebody has already made made a decision to probably leaving, which is fine. Yeah, we know it's going to happen as part of the deal. But um, you know, I, I'm not sure if Tyon's going to play. I feel like. Uh, you know that that injury. If he if he had come back in the game, I would feel better. But you know, for him to be out the rest of that game in a, you know, his hometown, a close game, all of that in a big game, you know, it has to be something significant. Um, but I do think that Maurice Turner, um, they made the decision pretty early that he was gonna he's not gonna redshirt. They're gonna play him, and you know he's shown some flashes. I think he's a guy that if you you know he's got the speed to to outrun everybody. Um, he's 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 done better than I expected for a true freshman who also didn't necessarily always play running back in high school. He's kind of all over the place. So, um, you know, I think they have have the guys. They just got to find they, – they need Tyon. If he's not going to play, it's going to be a lot tougher sledding. But they've got to find ways to to do some different things. We saw last week they had the draw play on third down to, to George Jordan, and he had two big runs on, something completely new in their offensive scheme. They've got to get creative. And I said this before the Wake Forest game. Scott Satterfield just got to—he's got to throw the bag out there, throw it yeah. all out, leave it all out on the field. I don't care what you want—you got to do something to get this offense going, because what we're seeing right now is that for the last three years the defense has held them back, and and the offense has been carrying the team, and now you kind of flip it over. You've got to play complimentary football, which is also what's changed since the Boston College game. Complimentary football. You know, you look at their losses this year before the Clemson game; they're negative seven or something like that in the turnover margin. Their yards per carry or yards per play on offense just falls off a cliff compared to the other, to the wins. They've been able to keep up with the defense, and Louisville's at what like a seventy five percent stop rate. 
which is so much better than they've been in the past. Mm-hmm. And you looked at the NC State game last year, they had six straight stops on defense with three or five three and outs, and the offense did nothing with that. That's where this team has been lacking over the last few years, and that's where you get these close losses because all you need to do is just you score two on two of those drives. The game is completely different. You get a two-score lead. The other team has a change what they're doing. You can play a different style of offense, a different style of defense. They are never, they've never been able to do that. And now they're winning these games by two scores because they're getting up two scores. And now, okay, this team has to throw the football. Or, hey, now we know that we can play our nickel package on defense and expect pass and all those things like that change. They have to be able to do that, and that's on Scott Satterfield to score points and not just get to the red zone and kick field goals and things like that or, or have to go forward on fourth down and, and get stuffed and things like that. If they can score points, this, this, this team is so much different with the way the defense is playing. Well, he's busy with the D now. I mean, he's, he can't ask him to do everything. He's doing the best he can. Texas says, good show today, but not weird enough without Trevor. Here's a nematode Trump to help Matt. Thank you for that picture of a nematode Donald Trump. That's wonderful. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> Texture says, uh, I'm going to the game again. How much do I drink this time? Oh, this is the guy who we told 10 beers last time. Okay. I mean, it's going to be cold. Yeah. 3.30 kickoff. You don't have all day to drink. It's a bigger game. You don't want to be too obliterated. I'm saying six beers. Six beers this time. I'll go this way. It's cold. Switch to bourbon. Yeah. Six bourbons. <laughs> six handles. Six bourbon drinks. Text says, it's nice having Keith on the show. It's so weird listening to Mike be able to finish the sentence uninterrupted. <laughs> it is nice. I enjoy it. This is the, the, the privilege that I'm dealing with now. It's great. Um Texter says, Glenn, it, my students is my dad, is a must-follow for uh, for fellow holiday heads. Yeah, he's, he's busting out the the train pictures of, uh, for the holiday time. Although dad's now kind of working a little bit of, like, basketball takes into his Twitter, which is what I was worried about. <laughs> like, every now and then. He's, only, he's not putting it out there himself, but he's putting it out there, like, response. He's like, the average man. If we get fully into politics, then I get a little bit worried. Yeah. Where it's just going to be like, check out this view of trains. Like, also, Reagan killed this country. <laughs> like, just, okay. Your dad is the most inter- one of the most interesting people I remember. I've had one conversation with your dad in person, and it's still one of the most interesting conversations I've ever had. I, I believe it. Yeah. That's who he is. That's what he does. <laughs> uh, Texas says, my, oh God, the, the KP saga went exactly as expected. A 20-year assistant with nearly zero suitors looks exactly as expected. I'm not sure which is worse, the effort of the team or KP's bizarre comments in each media availability. His comments defending his late-game coaching are just flat-out inept. He needed badly uh, a time at Murray, Indiana State, or Hartford to learn how to be a coach. We all know what good basketball looks like. The offense is dreadful. Regardless of talent, this will not end well, regardless of how much we all wish it could improve. Maybe. I mean, yeah, the possible. red flags are certainly out there. I, it, nobody's happy with the way it started. I, I think we can all agree with that. Nobody's happy with losing an exhibition game and then losing your first three games against bad opponents or low to mid-major opponents. Um, but what can we do about it? We're not yeah. going to fire him right now. Hope yeah, hold on, hold on. Hopefully, it gets better. So island team, we're an island team. <laughs> um, Texture sends me a screenshot of somebody saying that. Uh, about, yeah, I'm aware that Isaiah Miranda. I, I said this on the show yesterday. <laughs> I said that I think that that we have a shot with him. We're still in position, but we have a less than 50 percent chance. I think that the pro route is very alluring to him. Um, I'm aware that it seems probably less likely than. <laughs> that he doesn't go to Louisville, then it does likely that he does. Do you get a lot of screenshots of, like, message boards? Yes. Oh, man, that must be awful. It's <laughs> fine, but but sometimes it's like, like 
I don't know these people. I don't go to the message boards. Like, I, I don't have. I mean, I don't go. To, like, I don't have a subscription to any of these. Yeah. And so I don't know the person. So like, it's like this very detailed inside info that I have no idea if it's true or not. I'm like, yeah. I can't read that on the show. I can't, <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> Yasir Abdul is actually an alien. That's why he's playing so well. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not comfortable reporting on that. Oh man, I still don't really get the allure of message boards. Like, well, uh, you're 17, so you 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 weren't around <laughs> when message boards were the thing. I you, think ne- you never had to live that life. I can actually say I think the the handful of times I've actually read a message board. One of the, the first time I ever read a message board, you sent me a link back when we were playing Southern Miss, and someone had linked my opponent breakdown, and you were like, "Hey, hey, check this out! It's really cool." I was like, "Man, that's pretty cool." People were recognizing, and I was like, "What is this from?" I never even heard of. I never oh, really? knew. I was like, "I don't know where's the Southern Miss site." Yeah, and I'm like, "Okay," and I now I'm like, "Okay, it's a message board." I'm like, "I don't know. I don't get it. I can't say it to this day. I don't really." I get it to an to an to an understanding. It, it's just a it's an opportunity for people to just talk about the team and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it seems so crazy. Like and that's the thing for me that I guess I don't really get. It seems very much off the wall kind of things that people say. But and yeah. people pay to talk to each other on uh, the internet. Yeah, the, I, I never. I think I I paid for one brief like month, and then I realized this was like back and I was in college. It's like oh six oh seven. Because I was like, oh, they got inside info there. And then the month that I paid, maybe, I'm sure it's different other times, but it was like everybody just like, hey, let's screw with the free boards and say like we've got – like put a thread <laughs> title up that's like crazy story from inside practice. And then it would just be people like, ha-ha, like these people wondering what it is. I was like, well, this sucks. I was like, this is not worth the $5 a month or whatever it was back then at all. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I posted actively on the inside the Ville when I was probably like 20. I think it was, was right when I transferred home to Bellarmine for that first year. I think my my handle was Larry O'Fan. I was a big Larry O'Fan guy, <laughs> and um, then I I would do it to promote when I first launched the original website, the Card Report. I would put like the little uh, like link the stories, and then they finally asked me not to do it. I'm like, okay, well I'm not gonna post here anymore. <laughs> but back in the day, that was like when I first started writing, which was a million years ago. That was what you did. Like like you, most of your links came from the various team message boards. It was yeah. the big source of like I woke up every morning and to check news. I'd go to two websites, the Courage Journal Sports page and InsideTheVille.com, the message boards, see what people were talking about. And I can't tell you the last time I've been to either one of those, yeah. those places. Like, you know, you don't go to the CJ anymore. You can find the links directly on Twitter. But I, anything on the message board, more times than not now, is either not true or it's been it's all over the place. Yeah, somewhere other else you can find it, yeah. Speaking of when you first started writing, yes. my, my $5 offer on the Card Chronicle NFT has not been accepted. Has, <laughs> I don't even know how to accept it. I don't – you think that I would be contacted by it for that? I put a $5 offer in for the Card Chronicle. It, the minimum offer it would let me put in was $5. And I mean, I'll accept it if I can figure out how to log back into my account. I don't even know. It I ended did. up costing me like $12 because you send the fr- from your crypto wallet to the place with the NFTs. and This is the time to get in. You this is the time to make that play. <laughs> it can only go up. It's like Louisville basketball, right? Everybody keeps saying the only place to go from here is up. Same with crypto right now. <laughs> You're hopping in at the right time. You're landing that enough. To, that, you're gonna be able to sell that, resell that thing for like 100k in a, in a few months. It's gonna be great. Everybody's fine. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. Texas says, uh, what schools have turned their program around with NIL and transfer portal in b-ball and or football into the magnitude that Louisville fans are hoping? Well, I just told you one. Iowa State went two and 22 two years ago, and then got a boatload of transfers and went to the Sweet 16 last year. Yeah, and I, I think you know, and I, I, I tweeted this. I think that. You know the the portal is 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 not magic. Like you still you, you know even when you even if you mine the portal and you go out and you you build your roster around that. I think we saw that last year. You can't, you might not always hit it perfectly. 
you might not bring in guys that fit perfectly. You might not bring in guys who can do the things that you. And one of the things you pointed out to me is that you know that I, that I that sticks with me about Noah Locke. You know, he came here with the with the expectation he was going to be able to be this star guard and he's going to be able to beat people off the dribble and take different shots and go to the lane. And what they needed from him was to be a three point shooter. Yeah. And how do you sell that guy that hey, I told you you're going to come and do this, but I need you to do that when you came as a transfer. So there's so many different aspects of it that you've got to it's it's not necessarily just a flip of a switch, but you at least have to get your roster to a point where it's serviceable, where you have the things, you have things covered. And right now, they don't have enough guards. No. You know, so you you know, this is breaking news. Right, you know what I mean? Like it's not one <laughs> of those things where this? it's like, yeah, it's not necessarily a magic fix for everybody. But there's also an expectation that you at least use the portal to make sure that you have what you need, and and that's the failure. But I don't think that you know the expectation that Kenny Payne was going to be able to just fix this roster in the portal, it doesn't always work just magically like that. It's not just a, a natural fix all the time. Um, I can't. I don't know. Texas says, yeah, Trevor would have been. Yeah, Texas. Speaking of Yasir, uh, look what Coach Zay Yasir's dad just tweeted. Um, I have to look at this. Um, he had me blocked for a long time, so I think I can now see it. Yeah, yeah, I get blocked a lot. Believe it or not, it goes both ways. Um, let's see. It's something about this uh, this Chance Robinson kid. I guess he's excited about him coming. Yeah, cool. That's, I'll, I'll enjoy that. Seems seems positive. I, I can't speak enough, man. I, it, it, I know it's, we talked about it earlier, but it's it when it comes to these, they're getting guys who would never even like look Louisville's way. As a, from a recruiting standpoint, are not only interested, they're coming for visits, and then they're talking about how how nice it was after they visit. It's it's even me as someone who keeps up with this stuff. I'm like, I don't get it. I yeah. wish I could tell. I, I don't. It's insane. I, I get it to a certain extent, but at the same time, I'm like, it still blows me away that the level of talent they're there that they're being able to say, hey, come check us out, and they're like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Um, if Twitter does go away, and that was the, the big thing last night, is Twitter's <laughs> about to collapse. Like, everyone's like, what will you miss the most? I was like, things like Amari Huggins' Bruce mom jumping into the rumor <laughs> mill and being like, my son's transferring. That's news to me. Like, stuff like that. Like, you can't clear it up if you're not on Twitter. Like, you could, there would be all these these rumors out there about Amari Huggins' Bruce status, and his mom would have no way to just hop in and be like, <laughs> his mom would have to pay for the message board. She'd have to probably like, yeah. hop on the message board. She's not going to do that. I don't want to go back to those days. Quincy's uh, Riley's mom also jumped in on that. Uh, that was she? also interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, her shirt that she designed for the last game was one of the coolest shirts I've ever seen. I'm like, she's I'm like, awesome, I'm like can I get this shirt? She's the only parent I think I interact with because she's just so funny. Like, you know, she was, she was uh, when he when he ran back in the end zone after that second interception, she was tweeting like, "Go, like, what are you doing?" And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like I was like, "This is amazing." Like his own mom is calling him out while he's running around the field, you know, trying to make a big play instead of just going down and, and icing the game. I just I think that's just funny. And it's I don't know. Like, there's some things like that that I think are really cool and keeping up with some of the parents is a lot of fun. Not not all the parents are fun to keep up with or at least, you know, check tweets every once in a while. But a lot of these parents are engaged and they're engaged with, with the coaches and the players. And it just it's kind of a cool aspect of, of Louisville football right now. Texas Malik has to play. It's his third senior night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've – like, Malik, we've never actually done the senior night stuff with him before, have we? Uh, No. Like I know we did it actually we did do it with Malik Williams his yeah. like two years ago and then we did it again last year and he looked super enthusiastic yeah, no, last right? year we going through it again <laughs> um, but I don't think we actually honored Malik Cunningham last year and I think that that's I know you're just joking but I don't think we did no but I, and I think you know I'll just I just want to say this I think that Malik Malik Cunningham has had 
the the situation that anybody that sticks around as a college athlete happens. You get pulled apart and picked apart about everything you do, and the 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 mistakes you make get are are, are broadcast more and things like that. I think I, I I hope just like you know not as much as you see here, and he's I'm not saying he's on the same level, but Malik has been through a lot with his program, mm. and it hasn't been great all the time for him him either. He's improved. He's played better, but he also plays hard. He's the, he, you know, it, it's just the fact that he's the guy, and and especially for a quarterback, you're going to be maligned a lot worse than anybody else. But, you know, I I, I do think that from my standpoint, this class, uh, from a from a fan mindset, going through the stuff that they went through, obviously with Petrino at the end of his at the end of his tenure, going through COVID, going through all the things that happened in Louisville itself, these guys have been through a lot, and they put a lot of effort. And Caleb Chandler was on with the Pink Seek podcast, and they had him. And he talked about how much he loves the city and how much he loves his fans. He has every reason to not be happy, also because he could have left to the NFL last year, decided to come back, and it's not having the year that you know the All American year right now. But I think these guys seem to be really engaged with the fan base in the city, and I think Malik's a, a really good example of that. And I hope that at least you know these next two games, whether he plays or not, that. There's, it's not too hard on him, you know. I think from a fan standpoint, because of course he's going to get a lot of flack. But I hope if he plays well, I hope that people also appreciate that too. Because it's just six years is not at the same school and dealing with all the stuff he's done. You know, I think these guys play hard, especially for Sat, and I think that's something that he should be committed for. This team doesn't quit. His his teams don't quit at least. And I think we we lose appreciation quit. of that because that's that. But D does not quit. Just goes for days. <laughs> but I think that's one thing that I watch a lot of college football. There's a lot of teams out there, especially when they're not playing well. These guys just give up. And sure. Louisville just hasn't done that. So I think that's important, too. No, well said. And, I mean, I, it would be nice. Ideal scenario is Malik, even if he doesn't play this weekend, does come back and maybe beats Kentucky, who's been a thorn. I mean, you forget he played most of the game in 2018. Yep. Back then when it was a, even though, again, Tutu Atwell did start at quarterback <laughs> in that game. He played most of the game there. He has had a rough go of it in three games against Kentucky. I think they definitely have gotten in his head a little bit, certainly last year. I think it got a little bit in his head. It would yeah. be the perfect way for him to go out, would be to win that game and to play very well in the process. But even if he doesn't, hopefully the, the fan base will give him a, a solid ovation on, on Saturday. Uh, Texter says, quote from Mike, we talked about this on yesterday's show. Well, Mike, the stream was down and there's no pod. Not an attack, just facts. You're not wrong, but <laughs> if you're a true fan, you would have gone out and gotten the ham radio, found a way to listen to the show. You would have made a, you would have made a play. Uh, Texas says, I'm calling it. Scott loses out. Well, I hope you're wrong. Texas says, are we confident that we can ride Scott's D for all four quarters? That takes a lot of stamina. We can do it. We can do it. Jesus Christ. This is, this is every day, Keith. This is every day on the show. <laughs> Texas says, uh, Mike, it's Louisville basketball in 2022. I would gladly listen to you all on the radio while this team is playing. Come on. <laughs> Texas says, big picture question here. Do you all think college basketball has reached the tipping point where there will be a few totally dominant teams going forward? Since NIL is free agency, the talent seems to be dispersed much wider now. Basketball or football? Basketball. Not at all. I think I think basketball. Same. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't see that NIL is really as much of a factor in basketball as in football. It's not. Yeah, so I think that it's not going to really be as big of a deal there. And I think that also we've seen over the last handful of years, even, as, even if you go back to the years of you know uh, guys being able to go straight to the NBA – Things that factor into basketball and talent and all that, it doesn't really matter. I think the the parity has been there, and I think part of that is because the tournament is the tournament. I mean, it's it, it drives parity. I mean, think about the fact that since 2007, you've had at least one seven seed or worse in, in every Final Four, but one. Like that's that's crazy. Yeah. And a lot of times, I know sometimes it's like last year where the 
the Cinderella run is North Carolina as an eight seed, which yeah. is not really a Cinderella <laughs> run. But you have, I mean, you've 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 had mid-major teams crash the Final Four. You have mid-major teams every. You had St. Peter's in the Elite Eight last year. You've had George Mason, VCU, Loyola Chicago. Um, I mean, all these schools make deep runs. They, they, none of them have gotten over the hump and won a national title, but Butler came pretty damn close in back-to-back years. I don't think that you're going to see. Like, you're always going to have the handful of same power teams that are good. Most years, we're hoping we get back into that mix soon. Um, but you, I think it's going to be less like college football, where you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that like the three of the four teams in the playoff are going to be from this handful of like six, seven teams. Yeah. Um, well, and with NIL, I do think it gives the opportunity for some little guys to maybe be more of a player. I think the thing about basketball also is that we've seen, and not to rivalry, but you know the most talent doesn't really always help you out all that much. You know, mm-hmm. you can have a super talented team in basketball, and it's really more about your scheme and, and how you play. And, you know, Bellerman's a perfect example. We talked about they do what they do, and they do it really, really well every year, year in and year out. And you can do that in basketball and not have necessarily have the most talent, and it can take you to a St. Peter's level where, hey, they got to lead eight. So I think that, you know, it's such a – it's it, it there's so many things that negate talent in basketball, which you can't do in football. Yeah. Texas says, so Iowa State is a winning championship program now. Got it. That was a one-off. Get your head out of the mud. Okay, smartass. Here's a response to you. <laughs> Baylor started four transfers and won a national title two years ago. Ten out of the 13 scholarship players last year did not start their college careers at Baylor. Boom. National player of the year last year was a transfer. It's almost always going to be a transfer. Like, this is this is the world that we live in now. Yeah. Uh, it's 35% of the uh, of college basketball players are going to transfer at the end of this year. That's you're going to, I think that the, the stat was out of the last three years – out of the the twelve Final Four teams, only one of them hasn't started a player who was a transfer. Like that's, it's just it's what it is. Texas says, uh, have you all seen the Jared Goff Red Bull video where he pranks Brock Doman's JUCO team? I have because people send it to me. Like this was I have not seen this. The one that was a long time ago. Like a long years time ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, I saw that because Doman was at the JUCO that was in Last Chance U. Dude's been everywhere. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> I, I and I don't think that this was the, the school in Kansas that was on Last Chance U. I think this is when he was at the JUCO in California. That makes sense. Which that in California. Yeah, it makes sense with Jared Goff. And, yeah, he does. He, he pranks the team, and, and Doman is on the receiving end of that. It's, it's a few years old. You can find it. Yeah, yeah find you it. can search it. Yeah, take it out. The uh, kid that's behind MJ Morris on the NC State dra- def- depth chart is a grad transfer from F- an FCS school. Yep. In case he anybody was cares. Number two, number two guy. Yeah, he was, and he's played this year. He's not been very good. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. Texas, we needed message boards before Twitter existed, and with Twitter going down, you'll probably learn, Patrick. <laughs> Pat, don't don't enter that world. You're, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're too young. You're too innocent for that. I don't think Twitter's actually going to go down. I don't think opinion. it is either. I also don't. Yeah, I'm in agreement there. Texas daily reminder that Boise State sucks. Yeah, there's the, the Boise guy listening is probably going to have to. He's going to deal with that one. Text. He's going to come in. Uh, although he, I think he hates his text messages are mo- mostly directed to Trevor. Like that's I think what <laughs> fuels his his ire. He couldn't get anything in yesterday because the stream was down, right? Yeah, that has to be what it was. Yeah, you're not. He's not. He can't listen to the show terrestrially in in Idaho. So uh, one random thing about yes. NC State's backup quarterback situation, uh, they 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 also have a, another quarterback, Ben Finley, who is Ryan Finley. I don't know if you remember him from sure. NC. He's he's a guy that they've I've heard that they might potentially maybe go to him as opposed to the other guy because the other guy's shown that you can't do it. So maybe they go to the other guy. So keep that in mind, which scares me because the unknown guy is the guy that always comes out and does something crazy. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I don't remember, like it. Remember Pat White. <laughs> familiar remember the guy gary rodemeyer from florida state yeah, yeah can't remember yeah, that guy yeah. 
Texas, I think the unfortunate thing about Malik is that despite being a very good college player, we have needed him to carry us to wins sometimes, which is unfair to ask of a single player, and that leads to fans dragging him. Oh, yeah, for sure. I could it's, not agree more. It's the, the, I mean, think about, and there's a revisionist history with this because I think we, we tend to appreciate on the basketball side of things guys more after they graduate. Mm-hmm. But look at how Louisville basketball fans treat their star player pretty much every year. Like, people, right now, like, we have this love affair with Peyton Siva. People <laughs> dogged on Siva for, like, three and a half straight years. There was a guy behind me at a, at a game one time who I knew. I was sitting in my buddy's seats who I used to live with, and he would sometimes not be able to go, and he would give me his tickets. And the guy behind him was, like, the most negative fan of all time. And I took my sister, and I told her, I was like, just wait. Like, prepare yourself. Yeah. This guy. We won the opening tip, and we're walking the ball into the half court, and the guy goes, do something, Siva. <laughs> Two seconds into the game. And there were a lot of fans that were like, they do the same thing with Garcia, the same with T Will. Like Jordan nobody's got Jordan really bad. Still getting him. Yeah. People still are like Jordan Warra sucked. I'm like, he's killing it in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is this is what we do. Like it they, is, yeah. the player who you ask the most out of, unless he's just, you know, God level, like first team all American, we think that they should be doing a little bit more because yeah. they have the most offensive opportunities. But I do think that, you know, not and I came on your show and said this. I said this in other podcasts. This season was going to hinge on whether or not other guys stepped up and took some of that pressure off of Malik Cunningham. And it's happened sometimes, and sometimes it hasn't. And, you know, to my point earlier, what, whoever's playing a quarterback this weekend and, and, and against UK, other guys have to be not only step up, but also this come, comes back to Scott Satterfield also giving them the opportunity to step up. You've got to call some plays for other guys to maybe do some mixed direction stuff, handoffs, jet sweeps, stuff like that that we saw – and this goes back to 2019. Malik Cunningham had a great season in 2019. He was like the fourth guy on that offense, though. You yeah. know, you had Tutu Atwell, who obviously has more talent than the guys they have now, but they utilized him in certain ways. Javion Hawkins was the key to the offense. Des Fitzpatrick was there. Malik was just a feature on top of all the other stuff they had. And then those guys left, or, you know, Javion Hawkins essentially left. Or not even, Tutu left, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, and didn't play that much that next year. And it was like, okay, we have this other thing that we didn't really know that Malik Cunningham could use his legs this way. And then it became the feature of the whole offense. They've got to find a way to get back, get away from that. Uh, and they, they just haven't been able to do it. And part of that, Scott was honest after the Clemson game. They're banged up at wide receiver. Mario Huggins-Bruce is maybe at 85% right now. He's been injured for weeks now. And you just have Tyler Hudson as the guy that you can rely on. But you've got to find a way. That's part of – that's the criticism I would have about Scott right now is that this is what you – this is what your side of the ball You've got to be able to find ways to do different do different things, and he just hasn't really done that lately. Texas says Keith basically just said that coaches can win you games in college. Sure. And he said he made, he made me feel worse about KP in the process. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you need good coaches. You need both. you got to have good coaches, good players. It's like when people say, you know, defense wins championships. Offense and defense wins championships. Yeah. Listen, you, you, need, you need both. You can't win without good coaching. You can't win without good players. I mean, it's I, the same thing. I think we saw that with Rick Pitino. I think that he had teams that weren't necessarily super talented, and he his his the way he coached in the scheme and the plays, all that stuff matters. You know, but you got to have both. You, yeah, you just do. Got to stop comparing it to Rick Pitino, Mike. I'm not doing that. I'm just bringing it up. <laughs> Whenever I bring it up, it's just a thing from the past. Yeah. Texas, if we win the next two games, will Keith eat an RB salad? I can't imagine he will. Speak- RB salad. Speaking of which, there's like six folded up Arby's bags over here. Jesus Christ. Well, that's. I mean, <laughs> Like, throw them away. Like, why are they folded up? I've seen Trevor's car. He didn't believe in it. In yeah. between the I've, board I've, and, like, I've also the, seen Trevor's car. And, it's um, unbelievable. Yeah. They have a salad, though? Is it is it a roast beef salad? Arby's has everything. Trevor's I mean, once said that it was the most versatile menu in the fast food game, <laughs> and I laughed at him. And then I looked it up, and he wasn't wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't know. Fair. I haven't been doing Arby's in about 15 years, but 
I, I just looked at the menu. They, they got wide sticks, variety of stuff. Chicken tenders. They got everything. All sorts of different meat. Yeah. You, you'd never guess. Uh, you know, salad was salad is a bridge. I didn't think they were they were crossing. But they're there. They're there. Uh, by the way, Murray State is in the process of blowing this Myrtle Beach Invitational semifinal game. They've been up big the entire time. Uh, UMass now on a 14 to two run to take a two point lead with two minutes left. Uh, that game's on ESPN two. Texture says, yeah, sure, I cursed Malik many times over his career, but I also cursed my kids almost daily. Love is funny like that. I'm thankful for his commitment over the years and always playing hard. I hope you don't curse your kids to their face. That's a little weird. Where they're, yeah. Depends on how old they are. I yeah, say, that, was gonna, that, that is a fair point. To, because once they get to the teens, you're fine. Yeah, my son is at the age now where he, he understands the links a little bit better, so I, gotta, I can't, you know. See, mine are so young that I can curse them. They don't really get it. Yeah. Which I it's, do. I'm it's like, an awesome period. You, you should really enjoy it. There's like there's a lot of, John, God. Because <laughs> he just throws everything. He's in, the, he's in this phase where he's just throwing. Where I'm trying to put him to bed. He thinks it's hilarious to just throw the bottle down. Throw the, the blankie down. Like, That is pretty funny. Yeah. Not to me. Patrick called uh, Olivia a jerk a while back. And I was like, oh, I guess I got to stop using words. Because I call him a We've jerk. We've gotten there. I right call right him now. a jerk. And then I'm like, oh, well, you know, we can't really say that around him anymore. So. Yeah, you know. We have reached the point where now, around Virginia at least, we have to. Yeah, they're like things sponges. are being repeated. They're like, they're like sponges. Yeah, here's everything. Yeah, it, it drives. It's not. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Texas says uh, wind up ham radio should be the top of everybody's post apocalypse uh, Christmas list, and it also doubles as a backup option for the show when the stream goes down. Yeah, I used to work with a doomsdayer, and uh, yeah, no way. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. She showed me her trunk one day, and I was like, "Is that a ham radio?" I'm like, "That is a ham radio." Okay, yeah, and that was the last conversation we had about that. Oh my God! Um, okay, Texas definitely curse your kids. If not, they will grow up ignorant and use them even more. Maybe. I mean, I grew up. See, I grew up with a dad with a very foul mouth, and then my brothers were both like teenagers when I was already born. So I had no hope. Yeah, like yeah. my mom was like the combination of words that you heard <laughs> at a very young age. I was like, you, like you, you never, you never had a chance. Yeah, and I appreciate fair. that. All right, we got to go to break. When we come back, we'll do our picks uh, for the weekend. Before we do, reminding you. If you have financial needs, First Bankers Trust is the place to go. First Bankers Trust works with each client individually to help you meet your financial goals. They offer a wide range of services, including investment management, trust and estate services, philanthropic services, financial planning, and much more. To find out about that more, visit firstbankerstrust.com. Beating NC State, advancing in Maui, taking care of business in the battle for Atlantis, making money, making more money. It all starts with one word, trust, First Bankers Trust. We'll take a break. When we come back, Keith Wynn and I will pick some games for this weekend. We'll end with our predictions for uh, tomorrow's game against NC State. Keep it locked right here on 1450 The Big X. Welcome in. Final segment here for the week. Uh, we're off early today to hand the baton over to Indiana basketball. The Hoosiers will take on Xavier at 6 o'clock. we got the pregame show following us. Uh, Hoosiers looking for a little bit of revenge on the Miller family as they take on Sean Miller and the Xavier Musketeers in the Gavit games. We also have, uh, if you're interested, ESPN2 right now, Murray State, 
tied up with UMass in the semifinals of the Myrtle Beach Invitational. Uh, Murray's about to shoot the second of two free throws with seven seconds to play. Matt Cross game winner on hand, maybe. I don't know. We'll react to it. We'll see what happens. Uh, but we have – we do this every Friday, the pick segment for the week, and things got spicy last week because I was leading Trevor by, by two in our yearly total. We've got two weeks left of the regular season. We had four games different last week. Trevor won three of them. I won one of them. That leaves us now going into week two with identical 69-41 and 41 records. I was 4-6 and six last week. Nice. Uh, TK, thank you. TK was 6-4. and four. Um, So Trevor's not here. I'll have to get picks from him um, at some point between now and, and, I guess, tonight as I'm looking at UMass bringing the ball up down one, looking for a buzzer beater. Bang. And burying Jeez. it with one second left on the right wing. Oh, that is a Fading dagger. into the bench. Damn. They have to put some time back on the clock. But was not Matt Cross. It was it not was Matt not Cross. Matt Cross. It, was, it was not. There's at least that. And your flag's backwards, sir, <laughs> that you're holding up in the crowd. Uh, <laughs> they, even, they even defended him well down the court. Made shot. that a tough shot tough and everything, shot. and he still nailed it. Tough shot. Uh, Minutemen and Frank Martin probably on the verge of advancing to the Myrtle Beach title game. Props to them. Congrats to them. Murray State Racers, heartbreaker. Yeah. Heartbreaker. That's okay. They'll bounce back. We've got picks to make. We always start with our Kentucky uh, football high school game of the week. We typically will do a the best local game. Um, and when I say that, we mean local team versus local team. It's impossible this week. It's the they reseed the playoffs now. This is the first year they've done it where when they get to the the, the quarterfinals, they're reseeding based on RPI. So you're not having these Louisville schools versus Louisville schools matchups. So our, our high school game of the week is appropriate with Keith Wynn here, former Ballard sensation. That's how they refer to you, <laughs> Ballard Bruins sensation. The Bruins having one of their best seasons since the Wynn brothers exited off of uh, Hair Lane. Ballard taking on Madison Central tonight. Two teams. Uh, Ballard has lost twice this year. Madison Central just beaten once. Should be a fantastic game. Are you riding with the home team? Yeah. You know, uh, you know they've got some good players. Um, Jaden Minkins, uh, Josh's little brother, has been playing really well. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely riding with uh, Ballard. And like I said, I think they've they've improved, man. It's really good to see that the, the program's getting back to where – where it was for a while because they, they had some rough years there for a while. So, riding with the Bruins. They did. They've beaten you know, Trinity and Mayo this yeah. year. Big time yeah. season for them. Manuel beat them 21-0. Manuel beat them 21-0. Who's Manuel <laughs> play tonight, Patrick? It's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> I'm sad. I was rooting for the That's Crimson. Rough. I know. I was, I was hoping they would keep playing. I was Washburn didn't go out in the first quarter. would have won. You would have. You would have. It would, you know, better two-point conversion play, too, would have helped. Mm, Bad yeah. play call. Bad play call. Just, you know, what are you doing? I, I sat next to the Ballard's head football coach at the uh, – Regional basketball championship last week. That a uh, triple double OT thriller where Caleb Glenn hit the game winner. Sat next to their coach. Nice guy. I don't. I know I don't get a pick, but I'm picking Ballard. All right, all right. I like that. Uh, I'm going with Ballard too. Um, I'm hoping. I'm sure for all the local teams. Just hoping they all advance tonight. Best of luck to everybody who is participating uh, tomorrow. West Kentucky. Interesting game for the Hilltoppers. You'll be able to hear it right here on 1450 The Big X. I'm assuming Trevor can't correct me, so I'm, I'm sticking with that. Um, <laughs> they're on the road taking on Auburn. And kind of a live shot in this game. They're just a four-and-a-half-point underdog. Auburn has had a rough season. They've uh, obviously have fired their coach. They're moving on in a different direction. Keith, any chance the Tops pull off the road upset? Uh, they're already bowl eligible. They're 7-4. They're and four, But this would be a game that would you know, give you a little bit more of national pub. It's a 4 o'clock kickoff on the SEC Network. I'm openly rooting for Western, not just because uh, I, I like to see Western do well. But Auburn's kind of honing in on some Louisville recruits, and them doing poorly is better for Louisville. So I'm going to go with Western Kentucky. I'm going Western, too. I think they spring the upset. 
Um, Auburn, give up. You suck. We hate you. Stop stealing our recruits. Patrick, your, your thoughts? Tops get it done? One of your 16 teams? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we act like I have 16 teams. <laughs> you take it really personally. This is why we keep doing it. Uh, Western, uh, one of the two schools I might go to, so we'll, we'll ride with Western. There you go. I will say this. Cadillac Williams is fun to root for as Auburn's interim coach. I don't know if you've seen some of the speeches he's given. But he's all about it. Not, it's, it's fun to watch. I always give him that. He was fun to watch play. Yeah, um, 3.30 on CBS. Interesting here. We, again, we always pick the local games. Uh, Georgia, number one in the country, looking to not have their perfect season derailed by Kentucky, which is a wounded team uh, hosting the Bulldogs in, in Lexington. Georgia, a 22-and-a-half-point road favorite. Do they win? Do they cover, Keith? They win and they cover. But here's the, here's the question for me. Does Stoop sit Levis? For a week to let him heal up before the UK, the U of L game. I mean, I kind of would if I was him. If I was him, I'd do it. Kidding me? Does yeah. he do it though? That's the question. I'm, no. I'm really interested to see. I don't think he does, but I, I do think it's one of those situations where if they get down like 28 nothing in at halftime, yeah. you're not trotting Will Levis out there for the second half. He had a know. he had a mysterious shoulder injury at some point in the first half. Right. Yeah. I, can I would see do it. that. Yeah. If Kentucky somehow pulls it off, everyone, anybody. In the Lexington area, needs to move any car made before 2010. Yeah. Get the car out of the street. <laughs> Anywhere <laughs> except Lexington. Take the cars out of the street. Uh, Sacrifice in, your cows. <laughs> Indiana um, now officially no chance of making a bowl there. Three and seven overall. One and six in the Big Ten. They're on the road taking on Michigan State. That's a noon kickoff on the Big Ten Network. Michigan State ten and a half point favorite. Um, Sparty rolls. That's what I got. This is the exact type of game Michigan State actually loses. I can see that, but is, they they're really good in these in their bigger yeah, games and really bad right. in the other ones. I still think they roll. I think Indiana's yeah, giving up. Indiana's pretty they're bad done. right now. They're terrible. Yeah, they're pretty. Then they start out three and zero, and now they're like three and seven. I think the second straight year they've done it too. That's not great. Not, yeah. not, not good. They beat Virginia, didn't they? Yeah, they beat um Virginia. Illinois. They beat Illinois. 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 That's who I was thinking of. That's I who think I was. They beat Virginia of. too, right? That orange, orange and navy. Illinois. They beat Western. I know that because yeah. I picked Western to win that game. Yeah, and. I'd be one up in the series if it wasn't for that. Uh, TCU is uh, unbeaten, number four in the latest college football playoff rankings. You can talk about whether or not they control their own destiny. You have to assume that they do at this point. But they are on the road. Big Nude Saturday. We love Big Nude Saturday. Noon on Fox. They're taking on Baylor. Despite Baylor being 6-4 and four and unranked, they still are just a two-and-a-half-point underdog in this game. Keith Wynn, who you got? They're at Baylor, right? Yes. I feel like I, I, I root for TCU because, I, I, I don't know, they're fun. They do some fun stuff on social media and stuff like that. They're all about speed and all that. But, man, it just feels like they're just a, a flawed team. And I think that Baylor is, is – I love Dave Miranda. I think he does a great job down there. I think Baylor takes it. Calling the upset. I'm saying the, the, the dream season continues. I don't think it looks pretty. I think it pisses off everybody because people – everybody's desperate for this team to lose, get out yep. of the playoff discussion. I think they win, and they go to uh, one win away from a perfect regular season. Yep. TCU's uh, quarterback's last name, almost my middle name, so – I know I don't get a pick, but I'm picking Duggins, yeah. I, just thought, I had to do the math. I'm like, Duggins? Oh, du- oh yeah, like Duggins. <laughs> there you go. Um, at 7.30, Ole Miss, number 14 in the country. Lane Kiffin has them at 8-2. and two. They're on the road taking on Arkansas. Keith, I know you have relatives that you hate uh, down there in Arkansas, so <laughs> this is personal for you. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving time. Yeah, yeah. We take some shots at some relatives. This is what we do around here. It's what the holiday is for. Uh, Ole Miss is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Who you got? Arkansas is bad. I mean, I, I've They're watched them. They're, they're, they, I don't know if KJ Jefferson's back, but man, they they were supposed to be good this year, and their defense is just really bad. So, uh, but Ole Miss, I, they're they're I don't know what to to make of their offense either. So, but I, I think Ole Miss has the offensive firepower more than 
Arkansas has the defense to stop them. So, Ole Miss. I picked Ole Miss to beat Bama. They let me down a little bit when it was looking like it was going to be a nice pickup for me. I still am riding with them again this week. I think they get the job done. They pull off a win in Fayetteville. They get to 9-2. and two. Go Rebs. Um, 7.30. Also, this is kind of a – it's a lame week as far as, like, top 25 teams versus other top 25 teams. But interesting games here. Oklahoma State is 7-3, and three, number 22 in the country. They're on the road taking on Oklahoma, which needs one of its last two games to get bowl eligible uh, at 5-5. Five and five. OU is a 7.5-point home favorite despite being, uh, again, at 500 and 2-5 and five in Big 12 play. Keith, who you got? I think Oklahoma State's quarterback has been either banged up or injured, and I'm assuming with that line he's out again maybe. Uh, Oklahoma, uh, they've been playing a little bit better lately, so I'm going to go with them. I got the Cowboys too. This feels like a game that they win. Big Brother flexes a little bit, knocks Big Brother down, or Little Brother down. Fox, 8 o'clock. Pac-12 has maybe the two most interesting games of the weekend. US, one of them is USC versus UCLA, the Battle of L.A. Trojans are number seven in the country, once beaten in Pac-12 play. UCLA is number 16. They're twice beaten in Pac-12 play. USC is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Keith, who are you going with? Trojans. Uh, UCLA never felt like they were that good, and then they looked really really rough last week, so got to go with uh, the Trojans there. It feels like the shine is coming off. With yeah. Chip Kelly, you never know how much of it is legit. It yep. looks like they're coming back to earth a little bit. The the other big game in the Pac-12, 10:30 on ESPN late night. Utah is number ten in the country. Oregon's number twelve in the country. Uh, Ducks looking to bounce back from last week's loss to Washington. Both teams are six and one in the Pac-12. All sorts of championship implications there. Utah is a two-point road favorite. Keith, who you got? Man, that's a really. Good, I didn't even know that game was on this week. Um, excited. Bo Nix has been playing really well, which is amazing to me. Uh, he was just a complete. Just he, you never knew what you're going to get when he was at Auburn. Uh, but I know he's been playing really well. I think no matter what in these games, quarterback play is always a, the big thing, and I think he has a more dynamic playmaking ability. So I'm going to go with uh, with the fighting Bo Nixes. I'm taking the Ducks. Um, I, I think both these teams aren't that good. Yeah, but that's that's me. Yeah. All right, I know you don't do predictions for Louisville games, but 3:30 regional sports networks, <laughs> Louisville hosting NC State final home game of the season. Cards looking to get to seven and four in the season. NC State enters. Uh, at seven and four, I guess Louisville's looking to get to yeah seven and four. NC State enters at seven and three, hoping to avoid getting to seven and four. U of L is a four point favorite, just about. Give me, you don't have to to make a pick. Confidence level, you're feeling good. I do. I feel good about Louisville. Um, I think this game comes down to who can run the ball better. And NC State's not necessarily good at it, but Louisville has had this up and down issue with stopping the run. Um, you know, last week was hey, you stop cleansing from running the ball, make DJ beat you. And instead, they let Will Shipley and Phil Moffa run all over them. And that was the story of the game. So, you know, if, if Louisville can can keep this this NC State running game that's not very good but has talent, if they can keep it under wraps, I think that's going to be huge because then you put it in whatever quarterback's playing, and Louisville has done well with getting after quarterbacks this year. So it's all about that. And then on the flip side, Louisville's got to run the ball well, and I think that they can. You know, uh, I, I don't have – the utmost confidence that NC State's defense is not going to make plays, but I think that Louisville has the offensive line that can actually do th- do some good things for them and open up some holes. And then at that point, it's just get a couple touchdowns, let your defense win your game for you. And I think that Louisville is just in a better situation right now, especially from a health standpoint. I think that's going to be a big factor for NC State. All right, Patrick, real quickly, cards win yes or no? Yes. Oh, there you go. That's Sorry, all I, I, t- Sorry, I took a bowl of time. You're good. Uh, I'm saying Louisville, I'm saying – Slop, not sloppy, but like, you know, kind of back and forth defensive battle. I'm going to say Louisville wins 23 to 20, and we're all celebrating on Monday. Regardless, we'll be here at some point. We got Indiana basketball on the way next. Indiana versus Xavier. 
Everybody have a fantastic weekend. Go Cards. Scott Steed can get it done sloppy. Scott Steed, get it done. <laughs> Beat NC State. Happy birthday, Sydney Curry. Happy birthday, Sydney Curry. Go Cards. <laughs>